0: Welcome to the Keegan Smith podcast. Choose what you give your life to or have it stolen from you. My mission is to rewire for power. We've all been gifted massive potential. This podcast is about unwrapping that gift. What if you could? Potentiating wellness, abundance, and movement. Hey, hey, excited to tell you it's back. The Real Movement Mentorship, the Real Movement Mastermind, helping people from around the world to experience more of their true self, more of their full potential. It's what I love to do. It's been a highly successful and rewarding process. I launched it in 2014, kind of went to sleep 2017, 2018. Is back. It's back. It's live. It's changing people's lives. If you're not in it, you're missing out. And that's really where we put all the things that we work on in this podcast into life. Let's make this real, people. Send me a message, and we'll talk about the details. Dom, thanks for joining us. What time is it there in England?
1: Um, it's coming up to uh, a very cold quarter past six in the morning.
0: Good man, getting out of bed for us. What are you? Uh, what are you drinking there? So um, this is. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen it's The Ancient and Brave um, College and Coffee. I've seen it on your, uh, on your stories and stuff, but maybe people tuning in might not be following as closely just yet, maybe after today. But uh, you want to tell us, tell us a bit about it, why you're drinking it? I know you're very uh, very into your food and what goes into your body, so tell us about why this is, ma- makes the grade.
1: Uh, well, I'm not a big, avid coffee drinker. I have it here and there. I thought I'd have it today just to keep me a bit sharp at this time. But it's, um, it's a lovely mix of um, grass-fed bovine collagen, and organic um, coffee from Brazil and a mix of cacao from Peru in there as well. And uh, I just find that this collagen mix with the uh, theobromine and caffeine just perks me up nicely about giving me that sympathetic jitters. Yeah, So that's why I'm drinking that at the moment. And so uh, yeah, delightful taste.
0: Mornings or pre-training or when's, uh, when's your favorite time for it?
1: Um, usually, yeah, if I'm, if I'm up early and I'm going to be doing a long fast anyway, and I've got a couple of hours of training and work to do in the morning, so I've got a long morning ahead of me, so I thought I'd get it in now. Yep. So, um, yeah, that's why I usually, usually just in the morning, just one, one every couple of days, and it just gives me that, that lift, mental and physically.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You a coffee Um, drinker? Uh, (laughs) on and off, my wife loves it. Um I I like it. I like the flavour. I feel like when I if I get too into it, if I start having two a day, it, it starts like wearing me down. Like I think it's sort of pushing the go button a bit too much and then uh I usually have a slump and i got to take some time away from it. It's it's sort of like a slippery slope where you're sort of having one and maybe having a little bit of cold brew and then it just sort of can easily sneak up on you, yeah. But uh I do like it and I do feel like you can do some good training on it. It's just just about balance, hey. Like making sure you're uh, not pushing too hard on the back of it, and doing enough recovering stuff, and getting good quality sleep. Still, that's it, exactly with the rhythms. Um, yeah, I find if, if I if
1: I have more than one every day or more, then I start to uh, sweat excessively, and definitely know my nervous system isn't too happy. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> definitely not bad with it.
0: But, Sign um, it yeah. too much.
1: Yeah, it's definitely needed today and worth it for our conversation.
0: <laughs> yeah man cool um, you uh do you feel a bit of nationalist pride there what well, tell me a bit about your uh brazilian background history how'd you end up in england right
1: so um born and raised in rio de janeiro yeah so you said you've been to south america as well haven't
0: you? yeah but not to not to brazil i've only seen uh brazil. a few of those movies out of rio, rio de janeiro and stuff but i don't know uh, uh right.
1: Well, City yeah, of, of those movies are quite at. It's, it's quite a mess down there, but very, very fun and beautiful place to have grown
0: up. I mean, yeah.
1: um, grew up on the beach, you know, just surfing, chilling, um, different pace of life. You know, it was, it was amazing. Um, school out there doesn't start till around midday, so you spend the morning with your family at the beach. Yeah, Awesome way to grow up. The food was incredible. I mean, I didn't fully utilize it then as um, growing up. Thanks to my parents, but um, moved to England at the age of 11 and had to learn English. So I learned English at the age of 11, which has kind of become my main language now. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so that's how I ended up in England. Now we decided to leave because I'm um, fortunate to say the violence was getting a bit too much up there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, my mom decided to bring me here where it'd be a slower pace of life and allowed me to become more mature and independent without having to worry for my safety all the time.
0: Were you, were you scared as a kid? Like, did you feel that in your, like, um, always having to keep no. everything locked up or like worried that people are gonna mug you, mug you or mug your mom or?
1: Well, I mean, I saw loads of that. I mean, growing up there, I saw a lot of guns, I've seen a lot of guns being fired. Um, I've seen a lot of my um, like, some of my family get robbed by you know at gunpoint and things like that but and it was, never scared me as a kid because i don't think i had the emotional maturity to really um think about it in such a negative way i was just like oh this is brazil this i'm used to seeing it now um so i was never we never walked around the street scared um, where we lived it was um gated communities and such yeah and then went out and about i mean we had a lot of friends my mum She's a very adventurous person. So she made a lot of friends with people in the favelas and used to do charity work with them and help them out. So from a young age, I was going in and out of the favelas. I was seeing all the drug lords. I was seeing all of the crazy stuff go on, the style the style of living. We'd stay up there, we'd stay overnight with friends. Yeah. And yeah, no, it never once bothered me actually. And even to this day, I don't have any trauma or anything stored in any of that. <laughs> yeah. Just life, eh?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was talking about it with uh, Adam Kavanaugh I know you guys have been chatting and some of the, some people have been you know seeing that he's hanging around at, uh, at my place at the moment teaching me some survival oh, yeah. skills and such but we're talking about um, Africa and you know he spent a bit of time over there in Africa and um, he was he was with a Maasai a Maasai warrior you know Maasai tribe um, driver and and that driver actually got shot at and shot while he was driving the Oh, so there was a roadblock. He got out to fix the roadblock. He got shot. He went and beat the crap out of the guy because it was a flesh wound Then it didn't kill him. And oh, then what? got back in the bus and kept driving. I like, moved the thing out of the way, got back in the bus and kept driving. Like, <laughs> is, Yeah, is, it's
1: just, just as standard as that, unfortunately, isn't it?
0: And the, yeah, I mean, the, yeah. It was an eye-opener for me when going through Latin America a couple of times. One of my good friends actually got killed in a political thing. Um, that's a, you know, kind of a big mark in my life. Um, it was a good friend of mine, and it was, a, you know, it was a very deliberate thing. And um, but even just sometimes you would see, you know, a bullet bullet hole in a um, one of the transporter vans, you know, and everyone sort of out of the vehicle on the side of the road and shit like that. And it's like that you don't really see that kind of stuff uh, in Australia. It was it was kind of confronting, but it makes you think like how different people's view of death would be growing up in that sort of culture where like people do die from violent deaths like young more often. And, you know, you kind of almost see more of the fragility of life and, you know, I almost feel like the loss of touch with what life and death really are is, is part (laughs) of what's happened with our food cycle. And, you know, people wanting this, this like vegan utopia of like, nothing ever dies, you know, that
1: it's,
0: it's it's kind of all. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. I mean, how do you go with it? Like a, you're um obviously experimenting with uh carnivore diet and you know really understanding that meat-based nutrition, like the ethical side of it, how do you feel about you know something died for me to, you know, for me to consume this?
1: Right. Well, I mean I've I've been a hunter for a long time. Yeah. So I've always had a thanks to my brothers, I mean I've got five brothers and uh, they all live in the Caribbean, or some in Canada, but most of them in the Caribbean. And from a young age, they've taken me out diving. They've uh, thrown me in with um, some larger predators than I am. (laughs) I've always understood um, the dynamics there in nature between prey, predator, and predator, and predator. So when it's come to this now, I mean, I, I just started studying mostly into like the soil and how where it all begins from soil and sunlight and understanding how dynamics of plants work and how the animals feed on the plant. Yeah. And as you said, like if people actually stepped out of their cities and house and actually went and understood the soil, then they would understand that the blood and defecation of the animal is purposeful and necessary.
0: Yeah. Have, have you watched um, Dirt Facts, the Paul Check series?
1: No, I haven't. I've been out of touch with Paul Czech since, since doing becoming a Czech lifestyle coach. I've just kind of gone my own way. When, when did really, you do that? I became a
0: Czech holistic lifestyle coach about, um, must be two and a half years ago. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, my, my brother did that course. I, I've never done any of his courses, but I've read uh, How to Eat, Move and Be Healthy a few times. And
1: yeah. uh, he's probably one of the yeah, most influential the guys one of the best books I mean it's a prerequisite for
0: doing the course and I think everyone should read that for sure yeah yeah he's got this YouTube lecture series and it it completely changed my view of food I'm trying to think when I listened to it I think it would have been about 2007 or no probably maybe 2009 or something like that Um, I was really getting into agriculture projects in in Latin America trying to figure out how to save the world Um, and I was reading a lot of permaculture books and stuff like that and he, he made this series, this, it's a video, it's like a series on YouTube. I'd say it'd be maybe 10, 10 minute videos. Um, right. it's, it's mind blowing. It's, his, uh, his delivery is off the, off the Richter, but it's, that's kind of where I first sort of like got an idea about actually like the plants aren't eating dirt it's, and it's a war zone down there under the soil. Yeah. Like, it, it's a full... bacterial parasites. Yeah, yeah, they're all killing each, other and, each well. other and eating off each other and... Plants are sucking the sucking the life out of the fungus, and you know, feeding them sugar, and you know, it's, yeah, it's it's a whole yeah, world I mean, of stuff going on there, and it's 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 far from a like the vegan kind of utopic idea of like let's just let everything be. Like the plants are, it, yeah, it's all it's all working on that cycle of life and life and death and death and decay. You know, feeds new life. What what's some of the stuff around the soil science that? Um has he influenced you like books or you know, lectures or you know, authors, whatever, like people who are into that?
1: All right. Well, I mean, I don't really have many authors that is there's a few. I'd say definitely um Rudolph, Rudolf Steiner is just like yeah. one of the most amazing minds I've ever come across. And reading all his work at the time he was doing it as well and being called a quack, yet producing amazing results. <laughs> But um, my main influence is
0: um, a farm near to me here called um, Plow, Old Plaw Hatch Farm. Okay.
1: And their work, and they've, um, they've been so generous, allowed me to actually go there anytime and just mingle around with their cows. And a lot of their farmers um, gave a lot of information on what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. They taught me about the fermentation of soil and preparing soil and rotation of the cows yeah so actually got in my bedroom one of their um old cow horns which they used to stuff the uh the uh fecal matter and soil together to ferment under the ground so yeah spending a lot of time out there and actually seeing the work and seeing the results um how they use the oils um in their soil with all their um, vegetation so i spent a lot of time there actually doing the work and seeing it for myself which i as you know from what I what I say, I always value experience more than regurgitating other people's work.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Like, yeah, we were talk, talking before we started that you you know you got the dream of having your land and having having farm, but it's cool that you're actually living a bit of that now. You know, before you eventually, it's it's going to happen if you keep focusing on it. I'm, I'm a big believer in in that. You know, you are obviously taking tons of action every day, so you know, you're going to have your land. It's cool that you right. prepped for it already
1: yeah i mean trying trying to trying to work towards that i mean especially here in um, england all land is privatized so in order for me to hunt or get onto that land you have to make friends with the farmer then you've got to know the relationship with the farmer and the land then you've also got to respect and know the land and help out when you go hunting or want to go hunting on a new land so it's gonna
0: uh, wear a, and a red jacket don't you
1: yeah yeah release <laughs> the hounds
0: <laughs> right, like that was the no, traditional thing, right? <laughs> is that the I read something about like the traditional thing is like the the ultra rich or the the wealthy in England would eat, you know, hunted animals and all wild game and then the the middle class would, you know, have some herd animals to eat and then the super poor would have chickens and cows like and have um milk and milk and eggs, you know what I mean? Like that was sort of and a veggie patch. Like that was uh I don't know what book it was, but I remember reading it and just thinking like, wow, that's an interesting breakdown of, um, of
1: class, isn't it?
0: Yeah, you know, class society, yeah. 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 Do you well, see that at all?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely now more than ever as well. And it's, um, it's what I always say. It's like, I wonder why these corporations, and I just make people think, why are corporations bringing in these foods and selling them at this value in this modern time when only about 100 years ago, that was like, cheapest of like the peasant food which is harsh to say but it's it's gruel. it's it's not real food so um, you look at the kings and queens that were thriving and taking leadership and running things and their warriors and nobles they're all on meat diets it's um, only the peasants that couldn't survive and uh, afford to raise cattle or have cattle were the ones that were going starving and malnourished eating the grains and the vegetation left over
0: I was thinking about that, feeding the pigs, because we've got pigs here. And ideally we'd feed them on a lot of scraps, but we've got four now. I went too far. We had two boys and then I'm like, oh, we've got to get some girls in here and you know, but then we're four, four, four pigs, man, and they just put on weight so quickly. They just want to eat so much. But when you feed them growers' food, which is what I'm feeding them now, and it's it's not it's not ideal. But they're they're fattening so quick and they're so hungry when I'm giving them that food, I'm thinking, I think this is how biscuits started. Like, I think this is how <laughs> it, we, we sort of thought about, you know, we first will feed it to the animals because we could fatten them up so quickly. And we realized, and then we, and yeah. then we realized, well, actually we can give this to the poor people and, you know, they'll survive. They won't necessarily be as healthy as they could be, but you know, yeah. they'll survive long enough to, to like provide a, you know, to play their role in society. That's, yeah, I, I talk in this, I talk in some of the same language because it, yeah, I, I hope that it helps people understand. Like I talk about a slave food and um, it's, yeah. I mean, how, how can, yeah. How else can you kind of reconcile that? What was in the supermarket right now? Like I go to the supermarket and I think like, there's actually almost nothing here that I consider food. Like even the meat is often like, you know, tainted and preserved and like, yeah. how do you feel going into, you know, Sainsbury's or something over there? I maybe you don't go there too often, but I, what, um, yeah. What does it feel like to you?
1: I mean, here, here in the UK, we're really, really lucky actually with our, our supermarkets, um, because um, I think it's 98% of the meat that is from the UK is pasture raised. because We have some of the best pastures in the world because of our, well, we say crappy weather, but it's actually, we should be grateful for the weather we have. It makes some of the- Good
0: best grazing master- weather,
1: yeah yeah so we have we have um nine months of um of grass growth so we have a lot of pasture raised meat here Mm. and so when you go to the supermarket it's just easily available and at a decent price i do normally go to a butcher because they they ferment the meat properly and so the taste and quality of the meat is just a little bit better even if it's from the same place but um yeah it's 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 crazy to think that you walk into a supermarket and the meat aisle and the foods that are barely processed are just smaller and smaller. And then all the crap that's processed and can sit on the shelves for years are just expanding throughout the whole place. It's, yes, it's a crazy uh, turn of events.
0: You wonder how much of it's actually shifting. Like obviously a lot of it must sell, otherwise it wouldn't be there, but then the shelf life would probably also allow it to, to sit there a while you know like they they can sort of like i wonder if there are times where like it really does dip like people start to eat healthier or if it's just like constant year-round every all the uh all the junk is shifting at the same rate like i wonder if it has changed at all like mcdonald's and 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 you know those sort of companies have made some shifts in their branding and their menus even if their core products are the same like um, and I know the supermarkets are kind of doing it too, but I wonder if I wonder what their sales are actually like of those things. If they're if if they are making a difference. If you are making a difference, Dom. If, I, if we are making a difference, you know.
1: me <laughs> I mean, like you, you walk into a into a butcher's here, and generally, um, I do this all the time. You know, I, I'll go into the vegan areas, I'll go into these areas, and I just have a look at the people, and I just not judging, but I'm just just looking around to see what's going on. Especially when I go into the town centre, I just like to see what the state of the people is each time I go in. And at the butchers, you always find elderly people just used to it. The, they don't they, they don't really go into a supermarket. They're so used to having everything separate. You know, you go to the butcher butchers, you go to the fishmonger, you go to your um, producer, your family, um farm market, you know. And yeah. So you see that, and you see pretty um, athletic people in the butchers, and then you go to the supermarket and nobody looks like they're too mentally well or physically well in there and you're just walking around these like people that are almost zombies and their their trolley carts are just filled with boxes (laughs) it's just like oh no wonder
0: yeah it's so sad when you see kids as well hey like when you're trolley watching and the kids like three four years old and they're already double the weight they should be and it's like I've got one of them. It's out the back of here, bloody in behind an electric fence. We feed it so it, you know, fattens up real quick. Like, that's, that's, they're doing exactly what the grower's stuff does to my pigs, just make them hungry all the time. Um, people do it to their kids, but they don't realize they they actually got them on that feedlot diet. Like, they've got them on that intensive farming diet. Pig, pigs, probably in the UK is probably not, uh, but you would be able to find good ones, but the, there's a lot of, there's a lot of disgusting, uh, Pig, you know what are they called? The pig houses and that. We still live near one of yeah. them. I lived in Hull over there for a while, and they they put the manure out on the the pig manure out on the fields, and Mum would have to pull all the washing in because it just completely stunk <laughs> out the whole neighbourhood so bad. Right, <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah, those, those, yeah, the industrial pig production is not a uh, not a pretty thing. Uh, yeah, many no, there's any. Industry, any. Right we Yeah, we have like, we have. uh I worked actually on a feedlot in uh, a cattle feedlot out in the middle of Queensland, near where Adam's from. Um, I worked out there for a few months. It was sort of just the stage in life that I was at. I'd actually been vegetarian for nine months for a period, not too long before that. And then I was working on a feedlot where it's, um, yeah, basically just moving grains around all day, like hosing the roads down so that they're not breathing in too much dust, but they were like living in like this deep. I was actually my best mate. There was a Brazilian guy, big, uh, loved his marijuana but he, he, his job was um, like shoveling up the layers and layers of crap and put it in piles when they move them from pen to pen. And I did the injections one day and cut the tails and yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty rank, man. It was, um, and the food is designed to like, they gradually put more and more crap in it and make it sweeter and whatever. Like they start with a bit more grass and then gradually like get them onto more and more grains to fatten them up faster and faster. And then, yeah. The pigs are hungry. Like the food is designed to make them hungry. That's yeah. what all these people are talking about macros and calories and <laughs> it's oh, like the food okay. is designed okay. to make you hungry, man. The, I've seen it in animals. The food's designed to make you hungry, to make you fat. And if you don't get a bullet as a cow, then you just die anyway. Just, from, yeah. they, they were starting to get strokes and heart attacks in their teens, man. It's like, like, that's the, that is the nature of it. Like they were literally dying from lifestyle diseases like cows dying from lifestyle diseases um, because they needed 100 days to get to weight. And if they didn't, you know, some of them would already be sick before then and they'd be doing all sorts of weird operations to them.
1: Um, yeah, with antibiotics and stuff just to keep them alive long enough for slaughter. Uh,
0: yeah, some, some some, weird shit. I won't go into it any further. But, like, that's – yeah, I mean, we, the, the thing is, it's one thing doing it to cattle and, and I think the – the argument of some of those, you know, vegan documentaries and things around industrial food production are bang on. And we need to, we need to think about this stuff. We need to address it. But the solution isn't feeding yourself like a feedlot cow. You know, the solution isn't feeding yourself like a, like a pig in a sty, and, and, you know, going, Oh, what's, what's, why doesn't my brain work? Why doesn't my body work? I just (laughs) think calories, right. And everything's going to be okay. I guarantee you if I restrict calories on these cat, these pigs, yeah, they'll lose weight, but they they won't be healthier and they won't be happy and they'll be freaking hungry and they'll be very, very angry pigs. Like they'll be breaking yeah, out of the fence. Nourished. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I know this is what you're, uh, I know this is your passion, man. So share a little bit of uh, like why, why, are you, why are you so passionate about helping to heal people? Anyone who checks out, you know, your, what's your, your Instagram, origins nutrition, origins dot,
1: origins dot nutrition.
0: Yeah. If you haven't been checking out the stories on there, definitely uh, definitely go on definitely check out what Dom's all about talking there. Um, how did you, how did you get to be so passionate about what you know this this area of health and nutrition?
1: Uh, and like you um, I'm a person of experience and journaling through a certain experience before having an opinion or any facts based on anything. So I mean I was I was living in the Caribbean. And I was just this twig of a human being. I had no strength. Nothing. Can't believe
0: that, bro. Yeah. You have to put some before yeah. photos up because everyone can just see a monster now. Oh, cheers. Appreciate that, bro. But yeah, no,
1: I put some up. I was just this um, little twig, guzzling down cigarettes and booze, yeah. living the party life in the Caribbean. And then I became a uh, dive instructor to so scuba diving and um, technical diving, and it it was just hurting me to lift all those tanks for all the tourists that would come in. I was just too weak, so I was like, "All right, I got to get my shit together." And I decided to start going to the gym. Yeah, so got heavily addicted to that. As As you did, know, you fall gym, in
0: love with weights straight away, or did you go with your brothers, or what? What happened there?
1: So yeah, first, all, my two of my brothers are bodybuilders. They're massive, and they're <laughs> I can believe in that. their late forties.
0: Are you the youngest?
1: I'm the youngest, yeah, all
0: right, all right, we'll get into some of that too.
1: Yeah, so they're in their late 40s and look Uh-oh. so young and strong and still surfing, hunting all the time. So uh-huh. I was like, I want to be like that. So, yeah, started training, fell in love with weights right away. And obviously, you know, when you first start weights, you see the most insane gains within a, within a few months. You're like, yeah. Oh my god, it changes. You start buying tight t shirts and that. <laughs>
0: Do you remember uh, some of your numbers in the early days? I love gym numbers, like I'm, my background is strength and conditioning coach, I'm, I haven't lost that. Yeah, yet. what like with the-, with the Just corners. bench or whatever. Oh yeah, I still remember actually,
1: man. You never forget really. <laughs> no. Old videos and I'm like, oh, the form and the attire <laughs> I was wearing, what the hell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, I mean, when I started, I was, uh, I actually had some decent strength after just doing a lot of isolation, but I mean, I was deadlifting only about 130, 140
0: kilos. Yeah. Within a few months there. Uh, within, within a, within about six, seven months. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. to
1: properly do it. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I got into competitive bodybuilding.
0: Did you?
1: So I was doing shows as a men's physique athlete. Yeah. Right. Uh,
0: is that shorts or or uh is that shorts or the string?
1: Shorts, didn't quite get to the strings, didn't have enough booty gains for that yet.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, sick. How old were you then?
1: I was twenty.
0: Yeah, right. When did you first start 20. going into the gym? Like around that like 1819
1: or um yeah, eight, yeah, coming out of eighteen into nineteen.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so you did you love you love it straight away just with the like what did you what do you think got you hooked on it?
1: um just that I was getting stronger yeah that that was it it wasn't really appearance it wasn't aesthetics at first. it was just I was getting stronger um like I'd go back to work a few months later and I could pick up um the tanks with two um two tanks in one hand yeah and moving sixty tanks from the beach onto a boat was just like. Much easier. Yeah. My back wasn't getting as sore. My elbows weren't sore.
0: Yeah, the dive and season. I also hey? learned
1: how to pick them up and lift them properly. As before, I was just hurting my back trying to lift tanks. So I didn't have a clue what I was doing.
0: Yeah. Did you want to? Uh, did you want to like win some respect or catch up to your brothers, or did you have any of that, or not really?
1: Nah, never had. Never had any of that. There, was, there was, They still are so much bigger than me. They were so big. That I was just like, it wasn't a competition. I was I, was like, I don't want to be that big. It was just, um, yeah. oh, these guys are living good and strong, you know? Yeah. And they have kids and they're strong family men. I'm like, yeah, that's that's what I envisioned for myself as well. Yeah. So they, they inspired me a lot and they took me under their wing and have a lot of respect for them. They're stepbrothers as well, by the way. I didn't really mention. Yeah. So that's yeah, like okay. much older.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. How old are you?
1: Yeah, twenty-eight.
0: Twenty-eight. Yeah, yeah, cool. And so, is that from mom's side or that's?
1: They're from dad's side. Yeah, 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 cool. So yeah, that's why they're they're out in the Caribbean. Yeah, Living life again. I need to get myself back out there too.
0: Do you have other siblings?
1: Uh, not close. No, uh, all yeah. all from dad's side in the Caribbean. Yeah, South yeah, Canada. But yeah. A lot of them decide to stay in the tropics where they can, they're all surfers.
0: Yeah. Where in the Caribbean yeah. are they?
1: Barbados.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, cool.
1: Yeah. Ever had the chance to check out the tropics
0: there? Uh, just like in the uh, Central American side, you know, like Guatemala and Costa Rica. And I never, I, I went across to Belize once. Belize is like one of the places where a bit of diving gets done from the blue hole and stuff. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. But I didn't. Uh, I never got into it. I didn't. I didn't take on that sort of stuff. I was more into the politics and stuff. I didn't really go and do that much tourist stuff. I was I was too militant. Um, but yeah, yeah. I've been on the Caribbean coast with the uh, like in Colombia and Venezuela and that as well. But not out, not out on the islands. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, is the most easterly island out of the lot. And yeah. Okay. Titanic yeah yeah we used to do a lot of spear fishing out there as well so it's yeah it was it was a dream like just catching all my food yeah and getting out in the wild there it's yeah it was it was a beautiful way of living surfing fishing a little bit of work yeah and um, that's where most of my nu- my nutrition um my development into nutrition actually started
0: yeah yeah so, back to the story that's um before I <laughs> went too much into your weights history but did you yeah Yeah, you started to think about food then when you started training
1: yeah so um i I got into the i got myself a coach i got sponsored by a gym to uh, compete for them yep and then i went down the bodybuilding route with all the macros and the high carbs and everything like that yeah it started to kill me slowly
0: what did you what did you see what did you notice
1: Ah, oh, so um, my skin started to decay. I was puffy. I was slow. I was mentally inactive. Just didn't feel very good. Mm. And I then decided to qualify as a nutritionist. So I just did like the standard um, you know, nutrition course that most bodybuilders and people do. And then they go around giving you all that macro advice and that. Yeah. So that's yeah. what I was doing. Um, and I actually decided to... I knew a guy that lived in a spring that he built in Barbados in, on the East coast and like a little jungle area. And he was a Rastafarian, complete vegan. And my, um, uh, I spent some time with him. Um, he used to show me how to cook out from all the food he used to cook. And, um, sorry, he used to grow because he used to grow all his food biodynamically as well. Yeah. And I used to stay in the spring and um, eat the vegan way. And I started my vegan journey then as well because I thought, well, right. bodybuilding really unhealthy. I started to go through a, what some say like a spiritual transformation or what I thought was a spiritual transformation. Yeah. I'm really obsessed with um, meditation, yoga, being vegan, and um, being smarter and above everyone else and trying to change the world. You know, everyone else is just doing everything wrong and destroying the world. Got really egotistical with it and that lasted two years so did you go two years years vegan
0: did you have two years vegan
1: yeah two years vegan and that destroyed me so that's why i'm very passionate about speaking out towards it at the moment as well um yeah two years of it i got i got i lost a lot of muscle i lost a lot of strength i lost a lot of libido my skin got worse my digestion was terrible so you know, <laughs> yeah i felt like a sick pal
0: yeah that's yeah, just not the way forward is it how did you were you like kind of trying to take the moral high ground of like i'm losing all this muscle and strength but you know i'm i'm doing the right thing for my for the world and i'm going spiritually and like did you kind of justify it like it's okay to physically deteriorate because um this is the solution
1: well, at the time, I, like, like most um, vegans, I didn't attribute most of the symptoms that I was feeling to the diet. I just thought, oh, it's just, you know, I'm a young boy. My, my hormones are playing up. That's why my skin's so bad. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not tr- training as much. So maybe that's why the muscles going. You know, you make up all of these uh, scenarios and reasons rather than maybe going, you needed- oh, biochemically, you're off as a human.
0: Maybe yeah,
1: even more as well.
0: You stopped hunting then?
1: Yeah, I gave up hunting. Yeah. So um, sold sold my guns and just stopped just because of veganism, just like that. Even though it was something that I connected with and enjoyed so much, I completely stopped. And uh, yeah, and uh, started getting really deep into conspiracy. My mind wasn't sharp. I was going all over the place during that diet.
0: Have you, have you watched any of the videos by the guy uh, on YouTube, um, Sverge? Um, ah,
1: yeah.
0: What's his name? I've forgotten his name. I
1: don't oh, know yeah. his actual name, but he pops up often.
0: Yeah, so he's, he's put together quite a few compilations of people who've documented their vegan journeys. And so you yeah. can see them like when they started and then one year in and then three years in and then five years in, especially oh, like I the raw it. vegans and the fruitarians and stuff it's absolutely horrific because they've just documented their own journey and he's just showing it back to the world. But you like, you see them just age like 20 years in five years. Um, You see them like completely losing their minds. Like the stuff that they're talking about, they can't even put sentences together. It's like, I mean, obviously that's the extreme of it. I think the danger is that because every menu you go to now has got vegan options on it. It's almost like it's normalized. And it's like, well, no, I'm not going to be vegan, but I'll have some vegan meals and it's okay to trend towards veganism. Like I'll cut back on my red meat and I'll cut back on my yeah, you know, animal you product. You. I think it's like, like that's up. like just the, even the acceptance of veganism is a very dangerous and, and, you know, painful thing even because you can see in the extreme what damage it does. And, and yes, it, maybe it doesn't take that much, you know, improvement on their nutrition. Like maybe even milk and eggs for some people can help them, to have a reasonably long, you know, okay life, yeah. it makes it makes a
1: difference. There's a huge leap between vegetarianism and veganism. There's a huge yeah. leap, and people don't understand
0: that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like a it's it's it just become so accepted, and people think, oh, yeah, I need to I need to get my health back on track. You know, I'm I'm gonna do some veganism. It's like no, like I understand you know what you're thinking, but no, like it's it's not the answer. What? Why is it not the answer? It's a very oh, late question, but yes. I know you're already thinking that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just you take
1: everything aside, remove existence, remove living, and remove human thoughts, and just look at chemicals. You know, and that's what I tell people, especially with studies. Don't look at the studies that are trying to identify um, a reason for this and that. Just look at the studies that are just observing what's just occurring in the body. So that's biochemical studies. And you see the difference in biochemical activities between plant-based and carnivorous patterns of eating. And it just goes to show that one is constantly rejuvenating and creating longevity. And the other one is interfering with so many natural pathways and chemicals in the body. And people don't take the time to look into it further. They just go, oh, well, the human body needs protein. The human body needs fat. The human body needs carbohydrates, well, they say. And they just go, well, we can put all these things together and it creates the protein we need. So we can get the protein from plants. But then they don't look how, oh, well, how many pathways does it take to extract that protein and put it together? And it's just mind-blowing that people overlook these simple things of the human body and that it's not taught in schools as well. A basic understanding, there should be a module in science that, explains not just physiology wise in terms of skeletal and musculature and things like that but actually deep within how is your liver working with the gallbladder the pancreas and the stomach like things like that people have no clue and you see that constant um you probably get this a lot as well well look at the cow and the gorilla they look so strong and they have so much muscle and it's like you ask a vegan point to me look in the mirror and point to yourself in your abdomen where that cecum and that ruminant sitting most of them don't even know what that means
0: yeah so what does it mean what is it like what why what does what's the difference in our digestive tract and what significance does that have
1: well you look at um i did a study on um on vegans a little while ago from few case subjects and we found that most you you take you take a stool sample from a vegan or a vegetarian um especially a vegetarian that's not um over vegetarian or a lacto vegetarian They just have one or the other and a lot of the food they're eating we're finding that the saturated fat is found in their fecal matter so they're not absorbing any of the saturated fat potential that they're trying to get from the starch that's because we only have a two percent fermentation capacity in our colon which is not what it's designed for so you look at animals like the cow and the gorilla. The cow is a ruminant, so it stores all of that grass in a four-compartment stomach, brings it up to chew again, breaks it down, and then with a special house of bacteria, ferments saturated fat from the starch of the grass it's eating. So cows are on a high-fat diet. They have all that cholesterol to build that bulk of a muscle. They just are able to directly extract it through fermentation as we cannot which is why you start to see like you were saying those videos of the fruitarians and the raw vegans the skin just decays first they get gaunt and they age like 20 years within four years because they have none of that cholesterol saturated fat and getting that intracellular nutrition with the collagen to keep their skin up and it's just mind-blowing
0: i think that's um that's a big thing Mm. that people don't understand about these mammals is they actually are living on a High fat, moderate protein diet. Like obviously, people can see that for the lions, you know, and the carnivores, the wolves, etc. But it's actually what's going on inside the the cow as well. It's growing, it's digesting some of the worms and shit that you know grow inside of it. And they'll go to the patches of grass where there's worms and insects. You know, they'll go and actually eat where where there's more of that sort of stuff as well. Um, and they can, you know, horses can live on the meat powder and that sort of thing. Like they grew on the whale powder up in Iceland and stuff like that. Like yeah,
1: and they they eat the fish as well.
0: Yeah, so it's they like
1: the fish in Iceland, the wild horses there.
0: We just don't have yeah. that digestive system to turn all that plant matter into a, a diet of that ratio.
1: Yeah, yeah, we don't. I mean, it's it's crazy to see, um, especially like um, the, the gorillas, the other example. So you want to eat like a gorilla, you might as well eat your own shit and never drink water again because that's what they do. They get 90% of their water from from their food, you know, eating kilos of grass a day, which we can't do. And they have a spiral gut and a cecum. And I asked them, point to your spiral gut and point to where your cecum is. And they're like, oh, what are you talking about? And it's like, yeah, you don't have one. You've never heard of one and you don't know what it is because you haven't studied the, the very animals you're trying to save. You know nothing about...
0: It's uh they're important questions and I think it you know there is a shift in awareness at the moment. What are your thoughts about Sean Baker? Dr. Sean Baker, he's probably the guy who's been most vocal and probably Mark Bell a little bit as well, but like putting forward the idea that you know maybe we're okay on just meat. Maybe we don't need any of the other stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, Sean Baker, yeah, he's he's interesting. I mean, I waited a year before going full carnivore, Cause I only had a few scientists and doctors to go off and they had already died. They're already long gone. Um, they weren't of my era. So I only had their literature. I didn't have their experience or way to talk to them. So I waited a year before I've been wanting to do carnival since early last year. And, um, I just didn't fully commit because from everything I was taught and being in ketosis for a while as well, I didn't quite commit to the leap yet. And then Sean Baker came out of nowhere and um, hard veteran, you know, and a guy that has been in shit, has experienced things. And at 50 years of age, looking the way he does and pushing um, the physical limits that he's doing, I was like, okay, all right. There's some real life experience there. He's two years in. And from that point, my partner and I, we decided to uh, jump, jump fully in. And we're just over a year now.
0: Is that the Rogan uh, Rogan podcast?
1: It actually wasn't from the Rogan podcast. It was actually um, somebody somebody sent me to him because um, he was a surgeon in the war and he was explaining how um, he was taking people's injuries away without the surgery and he lost his medical card because of that because it yeah. cost him business money because he wasn't giving people the surgery and taking their money. Yeah, and I was like, I was always been into injury because I broke both my wrists really badly. Hey. And then when I heard about that, I was like, oh, so I have something quite in, quite in common here, you know. I'm trying to repair myself without doing much surgery and things. And, yeah, yeah. And then the Joe Rogan thing came out. Um, my partner found it and sent it to me. I was like, oh, interesting. And I heard him talk for the first time. And I was like, oh, this guy is logical. He's sound, he's smart, and he uh, makes sense. So there's this, like, little joke um, between, because, you know, the label Carnival has kind of become a cult as well in its own way. So there's always that joke when everyone's like, Lord Sean Baker, thank you, you know, spreading that, spreading the good knowledge. (laughs) He's on the forefront of it, and I really appreciate the work he's doing, because he's a great spokesman for it, because starting it at that age, and people overlook that, they go, oh, well, he looks so old, and hey, well, it's like, you would look like that at 50 if you've been hammered by war, crazy surgery work, and you've only now started to eat that way, but yeah, he seems to be getting younger
0: yeah yeah I don't, know. I don't know he's uh yeah he's probably not a model but fuck he's he's breaking uh world records in the, on the rower the you know have you done much row going uh, to stuff
1: no i'm not i mean i'm not very um i like to lift things up and hold my body up in short periods of time but uh, it's freaking um, brutal yeah. though
0: like that's to be It's such a dry thing. Like, that's what, like, as a strength and conditioning coach, listening to him say, on paleo diet, these were my times. On keto diet, these were my times. And then on carnivore diet, like, these are my times. And I'm planning to be, you know, the best in the world at this Uh, after 50. Like, you know, I think he has held, like, open age world records now. Like, that's another thing. Like, he stood behind it so much so that he lost his job um because he wanted to give people nutritional advice and, and explore the possibility that if they change their food they may not have to have the end of a limb hacked off and, and a new thing jammed in there and like those horrific exactly. injuries. Like he 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 gave away his job, you know, well he lost his job, but it, you know, because he wouldn't give up on giving nutritional advice to people. Like those are pretty compelling things. Like um, you know, there's probably, you know, everyone has some ego and some agenda about what they do, but like there's some pretty big things to back up. Um, <clears throat> that he's doing it for the right reasons, and there's you know there's yeah. there's something big behind it, you know.
1: Yeah, he's not really in it for the money. I mean, he's he's nowhere near making what he would as a surgeon. Yeah, yeah he's not going back to that. He doesn't want to um, affect people's life that way anymore. So, I mean, he's he's a great he's a great model for it, and um, he's inspired so many coaches like myself as well to um, push forward that knowledge and use our certs and our insurance to get behind this kind of nutrition and yeah i mean the results speak for themselves i mean you give me any race any gender even if the gender's changed i'm working with um a few um transgender as well and yeah and um it works no matter where you're from your age what you're training i haven't seen any negative effects or it fail out of all the people i've worked with now it's um it's it's truly remarkable it just really simplifies things and that brings us back to the ancestral ways which is like yourself the way i want to live and what i want to push for being a part of nature not just standing by as other people groom it for us
0: yeah yeah there's definitely a, a very primal you know connected thing to it and you know i can basically live off stuff that grows here in the fields around me like this this cattle fields all around here i could literally live on food that hasn't been transported more than you know 50 100 kilometers you know for the rest of my life you know where if i want to be a a vegan or even just live on a mixed diet you know you you end up having superfoods transported from every part of the world and i know you're indulging in that luxury with your coffee and that but
1: um we will do it
0: yeah yeah and witness i guess that's the dichotomy of this time right is like there's, there's a lot of primal things that make a ton of sense. And if we're going to deviate from that, we better do it with things that we really value. Like, you know, being on screens first thing in the morning. And, you know, for me, it's like starting to get dark here. Like that's not ideal practice. You know, for I think you're, you know, you're aware of that stuff as well around blue light and et cetera, but there's a yeah. certain amount that you go, well, like, I want to, I want to make a contribution with this life as well. Yeah. Feel free to uh, to have your blue blockers on if you want to. But you know, there's uh <laughs> there's 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 got to be um yeah i mean you gotta live with purpose as well and i think when we do break away from those primal things you know we should do it with purpose rather than do it blindly into things that are damaging us you know like just staying up late watching you know junk tv that's rotting your brain like watching shows about home renovations or some bullshit you know like that's 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 (laughs) That's a different you know or um yeah breaking away from nature's foods to eat you know pop tarts is different to doing it to have your uh, you know your specialty coffee or your deer antler or you know the, these sorts of things that you, yeah yeah they take some technology, but you're using them on top of you know best primal practice, you know like I guess that's the where that's the biohacking it, yeah. sort of stuff should come in.
1: yeah, it's like it's just finding that um, using modern technology but not following it with blind ambition it's like they're trying to make the progression of science a new religion yeah and that to me is uh, yeah, quite a negative effect, you know, especially on the news, you, they push it. It's like, oh, look at what Bill Gates doing. He's using science to create this new way for us to eat. and people just lap it up instead of thinking, hold on a minute, I appreciate where science comes in in order to get me certain things like this screens we're using anyway, out of minerals from the ground. But um, yeah, I think we're just taking it a bit too far now. It's just getting ridiculous, especially with five g coming in as well. You know, so everybody's mitochondria constantly being flushed in with radiation all over the place.
0: You yes. are Dr. Cruz. I see you re- repost some Dr. Cruz stuff from time to time. How how far down the down the rabbit hole have you gone with his stuff?
1: I mean, um, getting into um, brain clocks and body clocks and quantum physics and biology—that's only been like the past four months for me now so I've been really integrating it with the nutrition as well. Um, yes. especially, um, I'm specializing more in injury recovery and, and, um, cause I seem to get um, quite a few from the training I do. And I seem to just bounce straight back. So people have taken note to that and, um, using a lot of, um, quantum biology and physics is definitely key. I mean, understanding how we fit into as creatures of light, where we fit into the rhythms of this planet's light is, uh, I definitely recommend if people already clued up on the nutrition, definitely jump straight to that next bit because it will have tremendous effects on your, on your mental activity, your sleep and your recovery.
0: Maybe you can um, send me a link to one or two things that you rec you, you recommend people jump on there and I'll, I'll link to his uh, Instagram or YouTube as well. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. That, that'd be great. Yeah. Understanding how, um, the brain clock and the body clock um have to tick in unison generally most people are ticking out of balance one's ticking faster than the other and that has tremendous effects on your autonomic nervous system
0: yeah and the, the solution to that
1: well it's just regulation so it's all to do with your fasting hours your eating window your cell windows so you know, like um, every time you ingest, even like water and things like that, you start to activate a cell window with your mitochondria. And usually they say an optimum is between six and eight hours. So if you're going outside of that and then f- you're eating outside of that and then falling asleep really late and getting up early, these things are going to start to mismatch your body and, and brain clock. So that's definitely something to look into. So yeah, like, generally speaking, you know the Egyptian scale of intermittent fasting?
0: The Egyptian scale? Yeah. nah
1: It's um, eat when the sun is highest and eat when the sun is setting and never fear disease again. Hmm. So that's a general protocol I start most people on until they adapt their cell window patterns to their lifestyle. And you see tremendous effects. Like I work with... Um, when I work with athletes that are just working, their job is to train, you see amazing results. Muscle density, um fat loss strength performance just goes through the roof but then when i work with people that are for example nurses and stuff like that and they're very athletic they train during the day or at night they're very athletic still they're not people that are just still but they work long hours through the night and their eating patterns are changing day to day and you do not see as quick as a result with them yeah the nutrition's exactly the same the training is is intense but the, the body clock isn't just up with the brain clock. So you see it just very, very slow results in comparison. And that's yeah. all to do with circadian rhythms.
0: I've done a, I've messed around with quite a lot of fasting over the last few years as well. Um, some long ones, some water fasting, dry fasting intermittent. a um, Played around with a lot of it. Um, and I, I think I might've got a bit too excited about it and, Caused some depletion around it with trying to engage. It's just stuff blowing off here. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> trying to engage with high volume training um, and getting you know getting excited about you know doing multiple sessions a day. Um, I felt as though maybe I went too far with um, depletion when I was you know trying to train too hard. Have you have you you got any thoughts for me around that? Um. I mean, when
1: I when I was doing um, more of a ketosis base because I've, I've been keto for about four years. It's the work I started doing in order to work with degenerative diseases. Yeah, and so I myself was on ketosis, and I found I could fast long, but the strength wasn't je- wasn't quite there. Yeah. So if that's what you mean by like depleted, you just don't feel that the the energy is as, is as intense as it should be in your body. Yeah. I definitely felt that, but I mean. Um, I'll talk some numbers here that you'll probably be interested in and I know um, you, we started following each other on social media around this time and it was earlier this year um, yeah, yeah, I that to, yeah I was getting into the powerlifting. I
0: wanted to talk about this so
1: alright so <laughs> come got, to, got it. On to it now so um, yeah, so yeah within, within three months of being strict carnivore and I mean following the full label nothing but red meat no fish no eggs no dairy just no coffee just just red meat and lots of it and within 3 months i had a 25% increase in strength without doing any changes or additional training which to me shows a huge increase in neuromuscular facilitation and activation hormone balance testosterone and growth hormone pumping through the body consistently and that's something I didn't get from keto and with the carnivore I was able to fast 30 hours so I wasn't even you can technically say I wasn't even eating every day and um yeah going and lifting I, I was stuck at about 198 kilo deadlift and within three months I lifted 250 kilos and my body weight hadn't changed. I was still at four percent body fat, um, sitting at eighty kilos. And I lifted over triple my body weight and the training I was doing was just calisthenics as normal. And I was deadlifting one session every two weeks. And in that session I only did four sets and that was it. Yeah,
0: that was so you're just basically testing. just testing, like obviously there's gonna be some training effect in that as well, but we like Did you just test at the start with that 198 or had you been doing any deadlifts um, at that stage or what what went on before the 198? Just like obviously, what was your best deadlift all time before that? Do you remember? Um,
1: Before that, I think my all time was about, yeah, about 180.
0: Yeah, right. So you were already the strongest you'd been Mm -hmm. when you kicked into carnivore. Yeah, I was doing deadlifts and squats. The power and, gone and, out here, it's super windy, man. Um, oh, really? Yeah.
1: Out in the untamed wild. Uh. <laughs> but yeah,
0: all good. I think I've lost connection with you. All right. So here we go. Uh, A week later, a bit over a week later, last time we were doing this podcast, we had a vicious storm come through and I thought the roof was going to get ripped off the house. I'm surrounded by glass here in this little uh, office and I was honestly a little bit scared. Um, We had power outage and then we had a power outage the next day when we're going to finish it. So we're back. I've got a bit of a new look. I've uh, shaved up a little bit more here. Dom's got a shirt on, so it's a whole new, whole new world in 2019. Oh, I'm sorry, ladies, but yeah. Um, so, thanks for rejoining us, Dom. I appreciate the, the second effort to uh, to connect here again. How are you, mate?
1: Yeah, it's a pleasure, I'm all good, all good. Surviving strong through uh, the Christmas period, just like you.
0: What uh, What temperatures are we been seeing over there? What are you expecting today?
1: oh man it's uh it's slowly getting there i mean from the time we spoke where i could walk around a shirtless now i'm in a hoodie i'm freezing it's uh it's getting close towards zero now
0: yeah how do you go yeah. as, a, as a brazilian who lived in the the caribbean for a while living uh <laughs> living in the uk
1: i'm ready to leave already so that's why i'm moving to bali this year i'm out of here is I'm that a, was that a big
0: call is that definitely happening
1: that is definitely happening um we haven't quite given an exact date but we know the month we're hoping to move out in may and uh, spend at least a year there and uh depending on how things go either head straight to australia or stay put in indonesia for a little while
0: yeah yeah we should definitely pick uh, up an event once you're down this way even um just come over for it and cruise back or whatever if you're if it's
1: yeah um you for sure gonna take advantage of it since spin in bali being so close i mean how long is it to sydney A couple hours
0: oh it's it, no it's a few hours i don't it's a i have done it uh i'm i'm near brisbane which is further north brisbane or gold coast uh i don't remember how long it is i think it's about five maybe six hours something like that five yeah but it's it's oh, you can get cheap great. flights from time to time and uh definitely a lot better than the trip from london which i've made a bunch of times that's a whole different different (laughs) fish but planning to to go to bali myself uh for an event end of march uh we're looking at so looking forward to getting over there maybe um either at uh, wanderlust or uh what's the other one called there the new one nirvana yeah nirvana Nirvana.
1: definitely check them out
0: yeah yeah so keen um, keen to get get something going over there so that's uh we did one event over there Couple of years ago, out of one of the Crossfits on the other side, um, but yeah, I think we'll change change venue this time. It'd be be cool to get over there. We, we went to yeah, Ubud and stuff as well with, uh, with my wife and my little one. That's so, yeah, it's um cool place to cruise for a little bit. Different different vibes. But...
1: Different vibe, yeah, yeah. <laughs> check the check that scene out. I didn't really stay long, as you probably know why. <laughs> you know what that area is very well known for.
0: <laughs> what um. <laughs> yeah bits bits, (laughs) I I don't know I didn't get involved (laughs) um but what um what are you thinking with with living there where do you think you'll be
1: so um I'm moving in with um DK so you know DK Devon, and Harry you know Harry as well holistic movement from Perth yeah from Perth yeah yeah <laughs> so the little, the little um, grandpa of handstands of his long ass hair um so two really cool dudes um obviously my partner i think some of their partners are coming over as well yeah uh, we're gonna um, be in a villa together we're gonna run um, workshops and retreats together because together we all combine so many different aspects of movement and training philosophy so and i um, hoping to team up with nirvana who was so it was so good to us when we were last there. And yeah. for state-of-the-art gym like that, I'd love to do some classes there. Yeah. So I was just going to build up um, my physical practice, my um, face-to-face presence in Bali. And obviously, I'll still be working online and hoping yeah. to reach more into Asia and Australia. Because you guys, you guys are so much more forward-thinking and ahead when it comes to health and where you spend your money on health. As in England, most of the money is going on at the pubs.
0: <laughs> yeah. the the bottle shops are still doing pretty well here in australia as well but for sure there's there's a massive market in fitness and yeah i think you could do well you know with connecting with aussies um getting over there you know when they go to bali people are looking more for experiences when they travel now as well so i think there That's could be right. a really good market with the uh, with australians heading to bali but that crew is going to be next level like uh dk is always pretty good with his uh time we chat a little bit there on instagram he's given me a bunch of tips on on different things um he's yeah he's phenomenal with his uh with his training discipline and obviously a real deep thinker when it comes to uh to movement but like philosophy on life and stuff as well so i think it's uh that's that's going to be pretty full on that's going to be that's going to be interesting where you guys get to Insane,
1: yeah a lot to share around as well and there's so many different characters as well to uh try and adjust to because he's he's more of like a a loner kind of quiet type as well which just yeah. pretty cool but yeah. we'll see how it does in a group environment cuz uh the rest of us were all jokey and all over the place <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah it's going to be a cool group dynamic and um, but i'm looking forward to meeting up with you and hopefully we'll do some workshops as well cuz i'm really interested in your philosophy of training as well and your the power you build in people so i want to get under some of those military presses you're doing as well that's <laughs> some heavy shit going on there
0: starting to build it up, man. I'm starting to build it up. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited for where it's going with, with training and with, with the community. So, yeah, it'll be uh, – I think we can find some good synergy there at some stage in the near future. Um, talking about training, what's, uh, what's got you excited at the moment? What are you excited about movement-wise? We, we kind of uh, spoke about your deadlift journey there and that just going through the roof with carnivore. And we'll, we'll circle back to some real details on the carnivore side um but mm-hmm. before we get to that like what's uh what's got you excited movement wise at the moment
1: uh the moment is i'm just trying to reach the point um where i was a few years ago before i broke both my wrists yeah so i was a serious um i loved hand balancing so <laughs> building all of that back up and um it's funny cuz actually relating it to the carnivore um because of the extreme levels of energy and quick recovery i ended up falling into the trap of overtraining and with the overtraining and then also teaching, you probably know if uh, commonly when people are teaching and then they have to show their students things and they don't warm up properly, shit tends to snap. And so I tore my bicep um, a month and a bit ago. It's fully healed now, but um, regaining all my planche and um, hand balance again. So that's got me really excited, really trying to get the strength, straight arm strength back. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, I mean the powerlifting, um, the Olympic lifting has taken a backseat. Just working fully on bodyweight strength again.
0: Did you get depressed with that, or like, how did you deal with like pretty traumatic injury? You know, when you you had some real good momentum with your training. Obviously, your training means a lot to you. Like, did you just take it straight on as a challenge of like, I'm going to rehab this thing like a like a maniac, and there's a good opportunity here. Or is there a bit <laughs> of like? a time where you're feeling sorry for yourself and wondering if it's all going in the right direction?
1: Nah, I never, I never feel sorry for myself. I mean, um, when the bicep tendon one, of course I was immediately pissed off. It happened in the middle of my class. Everyone heard the noise. I was like, yep, that's gone. Um, I was pissed off for doing such but a- was day.
0: audible, audible. Like, so what percentage do you think you might've snapped there? Cause it's not a full tear, obviously. Like it wasn't like a ball. No.
1: It was a type two. It was a type two tear, but when I had the scan done, they said it was literally a few fibers away from being a full type three. So That's I just narrowly missed surgery.
0: That's scary as hell, hey! Hearing your bicep uh, and yeah, other people, man, the other snapping sound. It. Ooh, it,
1: it was it was pretty disgusting. I mean, I had the video of it, and you hear like a like a crackle and then a snap. And you just see me, so I was in the middle of demonstrating a plant, a straddle planche like move, which is called a prone arrow, where both arms are locked through the elbow. And because I've been training the bicep tendon heavily for all my movements, because I was training iron cross, straddle planche, um, handstand press, and um, one arm chin-ups, all pretty much bicep tendon. And yeah, and some lifting as well, ball. hey? Oh, and Olympic lifting that morning when it snapped actually. Um before that was the morning that before I snapped it in the evening. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I didn't
1: feel sorry for myself. I mean, <clears> I just I got I was instantly pissed off that I made such a mistake as a coach demonstrating um fatigue like that. But um it was awesome because the first two weeks I was like, Well, I'm working with um, you know you're him, you him. I don't know him. I've seen
0: you've been tagging someone there with your um your leg stuff. I don't think I've actually clicked through yet. I've been lazy. uh
1: he's he's awesome. I'm meeting with him in Malaga at the end of this month for more FRC training. But uh um, yeah, well. He he did me a program. I, I we did an exchange. He had an autoimmune disease, which I reversed for him and in exchange he made me a program to sort out my crap mobility. So well not crap mobility, but the lacking strength in my mobility. So um that's first two weeks where i couldn't move my arm at all i was just working the legs and in that two weeks i unlocked my dragon spot and yeah. my sissy all the way to hero so i was so stoked on that i would have never put time into it i would have just keep kept battering my upper body yeah so yeah now i'm i'm, I'm so more balanced so it's, it was a really helpful injury
0: that's a good take home hey for people listening like look for the opportunity like is is this the time that you finally get the set of legs that you want or do you nail, you know, do you nail this movement that you think you might never be able to get? Like if you look for the opportunity within the injury, there's, uh, you know, there's always opportunity there, right. When you have a a setback in terms of your movement.
1: Yeah. I mean, as, as a, when I was a technical diver and public safety diver um, there was one saying that stuck with me always. And it's, When you're trying to save something or someone or to do something that you're a little bit apprehensive or anxious or pissed off about, it's the best solution. And the saying is always focus on the what you can do and not the can't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. When you're injured like this, that's so many people say, you must hear this all the time. You know, like, I hurt my pinky toe like I haven't been trained for the last six months or, you know, I've got a bad back so I don't train or, you know, whatever it is and it's, they're definitely not buying into what you've just said there. Right. Like that's, um,
1: uh, they don't, they don't listen. I mean, I get so many people that, um, especially cause my wrist, my double wrist breakage was like the worst one. Like everyone took no on how fast I healed. And then this recent bicep one and they were like, Oh my God, like how, how have you gotten it back so quickly? How have you stayed sane? And I'm like, well, it's all really down to nutrition and how stress-free you keep your mind. You know, are you breathing are you focused on the positive? Are you eating to repair? And they just don't do any of it. And then they keep getting on frustrated with it for months and months. I know people with the same tendon tears have taken six, eight months to heal from it rather than three, three to four weeks. And they just keep themselves in that negative cycle, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, can you, maybe that's a good segue into some of the nutrition and lifestyle stuff that you know you value so much. And I know that, like you're you working with people all over the world, helping them to overcome you know things that they haven't been able to overcome in you know terms of physical things, health challenges. Um, what are, what are some of the things that that you did like for yourself during that period? Like what why why do you get to come back from a an audible tear that's almost a full tear? And I've already seen you doing you know planche work again. Um, yeah. So there's probably, you know a ton of strength back in that tissue. Like how, how? What have you been doing?
1: Well, this is gonna sound funny, but I pretty much ignore everything the allopathic doctors tell me. I just use them to check what what the problem is, and then once I'm out of there, everything's just out the window for what they said. So
0: you just need um, to rest it up for a while. Is that, what is what was the?
1: Well, they, advice say, you? Yeah. they say they um, say oh, you want to keep the inflammation right down, and you don't want to move it, and you want to completely rest. I do the complete opposite. So I move through the pain as long as I understand what the movement is. That's not going to cause any further tearing or damage. And as I said, I focus on what I can do. So if the arm can only move a degree up at a time, I only move it a degree up at a time every day until it goes up further and further. I raise inflammation to begin with. And once the bulk of the healing is done where there's no more pain around the injury, that's when I start to remove the inflammation.
0: So, yeah, this, this is an important point. Like, why, why do you want to raise inflammation? and how, how did you raise inflammation?
1: So, yes, most people are always told to just put ice straight away and keep it down, but our ancestors never did this. And, I mean, I raise, I raise it through nutrition and, obviously, as well, a little bit of heat as well. So, a lot of people think commonality is, oh, you use the uh, heat to bring down um, the pain, but actually heat, creates more angiogenesis more nervous connection which is ideal for keeping the inflammation not taken away so that with a combination of nutrition makes more capillaries go into the injury means i'm providing more nutrients and blood flow means faster faster healing and the injury doesn't stay stiff
0: so i know you've got some real specific you know protocols and details around that. like what are some of the things there in terms of nutrition that you would do in that early phase
1: so in terms of um, the inflammation point, I eat all foods that are going to stimulate a good balance of angiogenesis and anti-angiogenesis. I cut out anything that's over-inflammatory, though. So things like sugar or heavy omega-6s, I try and stick to the balance of omega-3, omega-6, so it's natural. And um, yeah, cutting out all sugar or things that are going to slow down your digestive tract, which is going to mean you're main part of your immune system is kind of drugged and doped out. I like to keep that far away so that it's constantly efficient. And you notice, well, I notice anyway, as soon as I'm injured or have an illness, the body tends to be a lot more sluggish and wants to shut down. So I give everything towards my body, not having to shut down. Apart from sleep, of course, but during the day, I try and stay as active as possible and I try and keep as light as possible in my body.
0: Yeah, so you're saying sugar slows down the digestive system? I know you're sort of saying that it's suppressing some of the immune function. Um, but you're saying it's going to slow down absorption of the things that you want to absorb?
1: Yeah, so for, like, for example, if you're eating... Um, loads of different types, types of starches or things like I'm not even mean processed sugar. I mean, like starches and fiber and things like that. Yeah. So you're giving your body more to deal with. So rather than the meat coming in and being utilized in your duodenum, which is like the first 17 inches from the sphincter of the stomach, you're then providing a load of nutrients that are going to have to bring down other nutrients in your body to become fully absorbable. You're then going to have to ferment a lot of that um, fiber in order to make some of the fats from that fiber absorbable. And that's time consuming. That takes a lot more stress. So if you're making a stress there and having to put yourself into a parasympathetic state more often in order to get that assimilation out, you're slowing down the capacity you have to focus on other areas of the body that are damaged and need repairing or cycling.
0: Yeah. So you're saying it's just going to take more time and energy from the body which is then somewhat of a stressor if you're consuming more starches uh when you're in that healing phase
1: yeah so a lot of people think you need to give the body a lot more to build i mean i just give it enough that i'm satiated and enough to not really have to mess with the systems keep it really simple
0: so you're not you're not really trying to give too much of a calorie surplus as a focus Nah.
1: Not at all. I'm just focusing on the right nutrients for angiogenic protocols and the right nutrients to keep the inflammation at the right balance. And also the right nutrients that are just building blocks towards the injuries. So for example, an increase in bone minerals will go up. So I'll be taking, I dose up higher on antler velvet. I dose up higher on eating bone marrow. I dose up higher on drinking bone broth. And the quality of the meats I have and the fats, I make sure for that time being is really precise. It's really clean as possible. So really give my immune system less to deal with and so you, less some um, toxins to remove.
0: There's a few pieces there, but are you, are you talking like more like grass-fed meat, wild meat, that sort of thing? With, when you're talking about quality of fats and, and meat there or...
1: Yeah, so I eat, a, uh, during an injury, I'll eat a lot more wild fish, I'll eat a lot more wild game, and I'll eat a lot pricier biodynamic or grass-fed organic beef.
0: Yeah, yeah, makes sense. What what wild meats do you like?
1: Well, here in the UK, um, most of the varieties are venison, rabbit, pheasant, and things like that, yeah. and wood pigeon, yeah. which is delicious.
0: You catching them or you buying them from the shop? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I catch those as well. Although not when I'm injured, but yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. I was joking, but that's interesting. So you, you um, yeah, they're wild caught rabbits as well, yeah. are they?
1: Yeah. 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 We have a huge abundance abundance here. The yeah. rabbit population grows uh, ridiculously. For the last few years, it's been, I forgot the percentage actually, but it by every year, increases by nearly a million or something like that. It's ridiculous.
0: Because the there's population. no foxes anymore. Hey? There's like very little predation.
1: Yeah, in comparison. I mean, yeah. I mean, most of the foxes we see now, you're finding most of them around, around the city scavenging on garbage rubbish, rather than yeah. actually hunting. Yeah, It's
0: easier than fi- trying to find a freaking rabbit, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Foxes. <laughs> Survival.
0: Yeah. So is is that becoming more abundant there to get rabbit?
1: I mean that's the thing the reason why it's the spot, the population skyrocketing is that many people aren't really eating it Yeah. and yeah. there's not many hunters here as well I mean yeah a lot of the hunters you find are people that are in parts of the UK that aren't really near any big cities or anything and they still have that culture especially Scotland like Scotland has the mi- the most minimal amount of vegans and um like supermarket culture ever because they land and up north where there's not much to do. It's a very big hunting tradition and culture. Yeah. Everyone there has friends on farms. Everyone has access to land as lower down in England ev everywhere is privatized. There's no public land here as compared to Australia or the US. So yeah, yeah. you have to know people in order to be able to have a gun and hunt, which it is I only know a few. So I only get to hunt every so often.
0: Yeah. Yeah it's still trickier in Australia with the laws around um a lot of it's national park and so the concept is like you if you don't if you leave the trees to be on their own then everything will be fine which obviously doesn't work and then leads to the massive bushfires and stuff that we have because there's not enough grazing animals you know on that right. land yeah there's all sorts of all sorts of challenges with the with the policies on that sort of stuff in Australia but for sure there's a lot of open spaces and a lot of people that are hunting Pigs and rabbits and uh roos, you know. I meant to I think hunt roos, even though you can buy it at the supermarket. You know, the kangaroo.
1: Oh, really? That's strange. Mm-hmm. Didn't know that.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of the a lot of the native stuff. You only uh, indigenous people are allowed to, um you know, to hunt it. um Oh, that's to-
1: kind of fair enough. If if it's if the numbers are low and they have the rights to their land and survival in their old ways kind of makes sense but kind of yeah but there's there a lot of, of them for everyone? They the
0: massive calls of kangaroos from helicopters and stuff so it's sort of well
1: that's pretty stupid then why don't they allow yeah. people to hunt right? yeah
0: it's a bit contradictory but uh, i don't i don't know i don't know it in enough detail probably to have a a really like intelligent adam story. about uh,
1: that one
0: yeah exactly yeah it's um our friend uh, adam kavanagh who was staying here with me is right into that scene and he's just about to head up north again soon so i think there's going to be some interesting uh interesting things coming from him in the near future as well
1: um, yeah i look forward to joining you guys on a hunt there as well when i come over
0: yeah yeah i think they'll be uh they'll be a good experience hopefully i'm gonna have some rabbits ready to go soon i think the guinea pigs ah, are both awesome. i think the, i think the two rabbits are both uh incubating as well so we'll uh sweet get <laughs> some of these populations if we can get them to the point where we can harvest at the moment there's two boys and one girl guinea pig and two girls and one boy rabbit so it's um there's no harvesting at this stage but they're, uh, yeah. they're pretty prolific breeders so we'll see where we get to
1: oh that'd be awesome and you have to try um when they're all on the grass too, so
0: they're not getting uh they're not getting also they're not getting anything funky there's no immunizations and there's yeah. no they're just on grass so i think they won't be oh, they won't be completely clean. wild but they'll be yeah i think they'll be they would be pretty clean. So we'll see. But that's
1: Pretty much close to wild, isn't it? As they're roaming around eating their grass. So
0: yeah, <laughs> they roam a little bit more than they're probably meant to. The funny thing is, in Australia, in New South Wales, you're allowed to have rabbits as pets. And and I live like half an hour from the border, but across the border, it's like a sixty thousand maximum sixty thousand dollar fine if you keep rabbits as pets. So we're what? like just south of the border, and our rabbit gets out from time to time. I don't know if I can get in trouble for that for saying that, but um, it just stays around. <laughs> It eats around the garden and then, you know, eventually we grab it and stick it back in. The The male one is the cheekiest one, um, but it doesn't, it doesn't want to go anywhere. Like none of the animals really want to go anywhere. Like they're all, yeah, they're safe. So I think that's just, um, they know what's good for them sort of thing.
1: Yeah, Although are predators on your farm?
0: Like just me. Um just I mean, <laughs> The goat the goats ate some of the neighbor's fruit trees two days ago so that was that was pretty uh pretty ordinary he's he's working on an orchard the guy next door he's a nice guy and the goats went uh-huh. through there and I was like oh so sorry disappointed and so we had, a, we had <laughs> Me,
1: to everything
0: off. yeah we had to clear off a bunch of the goats so we only got two two of the little goats left and I, I think uh probably gonna harvest them as well so I'm pretty keen to check out um that process and we've only got one pig now as well so I put them all up for free and moved them on. So we've got one pig and two goats, but I've got to go, I'm going away for work as well. So there was some challenges around that. So um, yeah, we're going to have a little break from it and then see what we do going again, whether we work on some, uh, some fencing plans or, or what we can do. But um, yeah, the farm has kind of calmed down. I've also been putting heaps of energy back into real movement. And so I want to keep yeah, uh, yeah, of business focus. So the farm was like, I don't know what I'm doing at the moment. I have no momentum in my life. I've always wanted to do this. I don't have anything better to do, so let's go. Um, and that's kind of what I've been doing. And and then now, awesome. yeah, sort of, sort of. Um, yeah, we've had a great experience with it. But I, you know, you got to choose your masteries, right? Like, I don't think I'm going to be the world's best uh, farmer. Like, I, I am interested in it, but at this stage, I'm I'm not like willing to go the extra yard to really do it really really well. And yeah, so, it's just to feed
1: yeah. yourself, isn't it? To feed yourself yeah. and keep the land managed. Right.
0: Yeah, they've done a great job, like clearing like the the back sort of land here. Like you can see a whole bunch that you couldn't see. Uh, and I want to, yeah, I do want to experience. I want to experience the whole cycle, um, but I probably need to put some more efforts and energies into managing them better to not have issues with the neighbours to sort of do it long term. And I know we can go back to it. We probably will in in, in different ways. But uh, I can actually hear the goat. Can you hear the goat? <laughs> It's uh It's
1: just yeah. Uh, no, yeah not
0: for here. You're on out the window. I don't know. If yeah, come. It's <laughs> <there> for you. Through <laughs> the podcast, I don't think that's actually bad etiquette. People always say like, make sure you're in a quiet environment. I did a podcast the other day with some South African guys. A ridiculously human podcast. It's a cool podcast as well. Um,
1: oh yeah, I saw that.
0: They they interviewed that um, JJM or JTM, the guy, the diabetic uh-huh. guy, who's awesome with the. He's good with the calisthenics and stuff. I don't know if you've seen him but uh that that was that was pretty cool that was a cool podcast but um yeah i was with them the other day but i I, I wonder if uh i wonder if it would be bad podcast etiquette to have the goats in the background if you're uh trying to keep sound quality high and all that you know
1: i think that's pretty cool man you're just chilling there and you're like oh wow i get the (laughs) atmosphere where this guy is like
0: (laughs) there's definitely a bit of that going on yeah Um, i'm
1: I'm all about the goat life
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i really think it could be a good thing like i'd love to uh I love goat meat. Like I I ate it in Ecuador a few times, I think the first few times, and then I would always get it at the Indian restaurants and stuff. Wow, I haven't uh, had it
1: much. And I heard yeah. it's really beefy.
0: It's pretty it's pretty good. It's pretty similar to beef. Uh but yeah, I would prefer I would say I prefer it to, to beef. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah,
1: well, they um, say the fat of the land normally comes from mutton in most uh religious texts, so
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think like maybe because they're eating so wild as well, the goats will get into anything. So they're probably getting a little yeah. bit more diverse nutrition than like your sheep and cows that want to keep it pretty uh, clean on the grass. Like they're really just chewing into anything, like probably yeah. like things that aren't even food as well, but all sorts of different plants. Like I would say they'd be getting a, a bigger spectrum, you know, and they're super hardy. Like I think like yeah. if you look at like a lot of the super plants, they're like hardy plants that were really hard to eat and hard to kill, kind of thing. Like they become like the superfood ones, which is kind of why they can be dangerous as well—double-edged swords. But if you look at the animal kingdom, like I think the things that are super tough, like maybe you're going to get more toughness out of them. You know, there's I think there's there's potentially something yeah. to that side of things. Like if they're a super they're hardy. It's
1: yeah, like I think that if if vegans got their way and let's say that you weren't allowed to eat goats anymore and they were to roam free, I think the next world war would be against the vegans and the goats because the goats would have eaten all their food. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There'd be nothing left. Yeah, then we'll see carbon go through the roof in the atmosphere.
0: <laughs> there, uh, we had a thriving mulberry tree, a thriving mulberry tree, and the goats have absolutely decimated it. They eat the coffee plant. They eat the coffee beans. They, they eat the citrus trees. They eat the limes. Like the lime tree, like they're, uh, oh wow, they're, they're ruthless, man.
1: I <laughs> no wonder they're connected to Satan, <laughs>
0: <laughs> apparently. You
1: <see> uh. that?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, nah, they're
1: to destroy the earth. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, they're, they're pretty, uh, they're, they're funny, they're cheeky, but um, yeah, they're
1: awesome. Talk to me a little bit about your
0: relationship yeah. with, with vegans. I, I think they play a pretty big part in your life by the look of it. Um, uh, how, yeah. like. How do you how do you feel about that and the challenge that they're constantly kind of setting you? Like,
1: yeah, they've given me a lot to talk about and think about on a daily basis. The amount of crap they give me, but um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like the, people have been asking me as well. Why have you been so against it and making so many stories on your Instagram and preaching out about it? And it's, it's not that I have a problem with the people. It's um, I was vegan myself. I'm not sure if we mentioned that in the first bit. But um, I managed managed just under two years before I started to realize that it wasn't that great.
0: At least you kept your hair. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But um, didn't keep much else. Didn't keep much muscle or libido. Yeah. yeah, We
0: spoke a bit about it there. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: We spoke about that. But um, yeah, it's... um, reason why I just don't let it be in a sense, you know, everyone says, well, let them eat the way they want is because of the implication it has on those that do not want to eat that way. We're seeing more and more of a corporate agenda and media manipulation in order to eat this way. And all of the things that are saying that are just, you look at it from a rational, logical mindset. You look at the evidence, you look back into history and you can't correlate anything of what they're saying now. And it's just doing so much harm to so many people. Yes, there's the few outliers. And we, I've talked about that many times. Those that live in hot climate, by the sun, stress-free, or had a lot of animal fats before becoming vegan and have a lot of stores from that time, they last quite long and they seem to do okay. But the problem is, is that the other ones that, whether doing okay or not, are just pushing so much to tax meat, ban the amount of meat, reduce the amount of meat that is available and found in societies, especially in um first world western countries. And yeah. I have a huge problem with that. Because with all my clients that I work with, especially I have clients now in India, which this is the first time ever. This new um participant starting this month, I have three from India and what they've told me about the religious aspects of um, how they cut out meat, and it's got nothing to do with actual um, health. It's all religious, and I, I can't let that happen in the uh, in our side of the world. I can't let us stop eating such a vital piece of nutrition due to religious ideas that are now master science. So I have a huge problem with that.
0: There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack there, but yeah. I've, so the polit- like political pushback in terms of keeping meat available and, and sort of really putting forward that, Hey, we, we really need this. Like, this is not an optional thing. This is not a, um, I think a lot of people think of it these days as like a luxury or an indulgence or um, something that they should feel guilty about. Um, you, 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 I guess you're fighting back against that, that kind of messaging and branding.
1: Yeah. It's funny. Cause the, the main people, Well, I wouldn't say everyone, but a lot of the people defend the system and defend a lot of the people that are pushing these ideas onto us but don't realize that those people at the top there all know the value of meat. All their descendants and the royal families, they all eat meat and to this day still eat meat. They always have done. They've always understood the differences and have always pushed their lower tier, their lower classes of people To not eat meat in order to be malnourished, controllable, and only the royalty was were allowed to have certain game. Like even to this day, only the queen is allowed. The queen of England is the only one that's allowed to eat swans. It's illegal for anybody else to eat or hunt a swan. So they know the importance of it, and they're just allowing people to get dumbed down and allowing people to become malnourished.
0: Would you tell us if you've eaten a swan?
1: I never have, but if I do. Um yeah, you put it was, on a podcast. <laughs> Would you risk it? Would you risk <laughs> eating a swan? Hmm, the final pleasures in life, huh?
0: <laughs> Challenge the monarchy. Yeah.
1: I've heard it's incredible. I've heard swan is absolutely incredible. It's like a it's like duck, but a little bit more fatty and a lot more meat.
0: I think the geese I think the geese just every time I pick the geese up, I'm like <laughs> this, is, this is gonna be something special. They've just, yeah. they've got, yeah, you can feel like, yeah, they're quite like fatty and they just, yeah, I think they're, they're going to be quite, you know, they're a lot bigger than ducks. Um, yeah. I like, Have you I had like geese duck, crackling? I don't think so, no. Oh,
1: it's exquisite. I've had the pleasure of
0: that. <laughs> it's not, it's that, you don't see it much in Australia, I wouldn't say. So they just eat grass as well. That's the cool thing. I mean, they, they love some grains if they can get it, but they're, yeah. they're actually, they can survive on grass. So some of the permaculture guys... Yeah that I've heard that they're saying they want to switch from chickens to geese um, so that they can be more sustainable in terms of not having to buy grains for their, for their birds. Um, but they want to shift the market awareness first. So I think it's the guy in Sweden. There's, a, there's an English guy that lives in Sweden who's really good right. in permaculture. I'll see if I can, I can fish it out. But um, I heard him talking yeah. about it on a podcast and that was like, cool. And we, we actually had, we had eight, Geese, I think at one stage, but we got them pretty young, and we only have three now. So there's um there's oh, some wow. sad, okay. sad stories. Yeah. No, seven maybe, yeah, yeah. yeah one, that
1: must have been noisy.
0: One had a tick. Yeah, they're quiet. They're quiet when they're young. Oh, really? Now they're starting to get a little bit of voice about them, but they're pretty like they're pretty decent size now. But yeah, um, so yeah, so like this is uh this is the interesting stuff, and I don't know how far the rabbit, down the rabbit hole we want to go, but like when you're talking about like the elites eating meat and you know the royal family eating meat and that sort of thing. Like what where where does the confidence to talk about that sort of thing come from? Like uh, I also think that there's there's some agenda stuff there and whether it's money or whether it's power or whether it's both, but like what are uh, where where are those those sort of um concepts or resources coming from?
1: Oh uh, well there's so much to it. I mean I'm really big into anthropology and going way back and looking back at especially from the 15th century onwards we start to look at royalty and we start to look at um the traveling of human beings as we see you know we started going out into africa to alaska into americas um into australia all of that time of the colonizing brits we just see the evidence of how the royalty in comparison to what they so-called the peasants in that kind of monarchy and As you see, the peasants always had to survive on the gruel, you know, they were given the grains, they were having the breads, the alcohol, not as much meat as compared to the royals who had a hunting party for them, who had herding of animals, had farms, you know, as a tax, give them animal meat and they ate more of that more than anything else. If you look at most Kings that were really fat and you look at their diets and the paintings of their diets, you can see that then they started having a lot more grains involved, but they always had an incredible abundance of meat and always lived longer than the people outside of the royalty and the castles. Then we look at the colonizers, you know, getting extremely sick because of the lack of meat when they were traveling overseas. And it's funny because all they had to do was look overboard and fish, but yet they were carrying loads of grains and limes and things like that, which is just just a lack of knowledge. And every every tribe they came in contact with and reached and tried to change were already incredibly robust. And then a few years later, after the change, you start to see a decline in health because of all the products brought in from the Western world. Or sorry, not to say the Western world, the more civilized and built up worlds.
0: Some um, of the story there the is that. there's always that story of like, we brought our germs and our germs killed them off. But there's the other side to that story of like in the missionaries, people were fed like <clears throat> processed grains, sugar, yeah. alcohol. And it's like, well, that might have something to do with the mass die off as well. And why their immune systems were, um, you know, subject to, to any sort of new bug or whatever, like, anyone's going to struggle if you restrict the diet down to those things. There's some, some pretty harsh histories around that sort of stuff in Australia and uh, yeah, around the I've world. Heard.
1: Yeah. I mean, sci- scientifically speaking, it, it makes sense because when you see people with low cholesterol that have been eating a lot more grain based, very little meat and the cholesterol drops down, especially the LDL cholesterol drops down. And especially people with, um, talking on modern days as well, they're taking statin drugs and cholesterol low in drugs. The LDL goes down. So when we eat these foods, and you know, grains, oats bring down cholesterol and such, when we see such a drop in cholesterol levels, we see that you're unable to fight infection. So all of these bacteria and diseases that are new, if your cholesterol is low, your immune system's not going to be able to fight it so well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. So what are the what are the most powerful things there? Is it the bone marrow? and the the quality fats that you're talking about in terms of preparing healing from your injury or what are some of the the go-tos there?
1: Well, yeah, it's, it's all about bone marrow. So the more deposits you have in your bone marrow, the more your tissues will grow and repair quickly. And that's why I focus a lot on the replenishment of bone minerals rather than just eating loads of food and giving myself energy to heal. I give myself nutrients to heal. I deal with it more on a micro level than what people think on the macro level. So when you starve yourself of cholesterol and you don't put enough fat and cholesterol back into your body, you start to starve your bone marrow. Once your bone marrow starves and your LDL drops, a main part of your immune system goes right down.
0: Yeah. Yes, it makes sense. um, But it's, it's, it's really just not, people don't understand that. And I think a lot of the challenges with macro-based dieting, you know, there's so many people, who have great bodies saying, well, look, if you get your calories right, you can have a body like me. It doesn't matter where the calories come from. Just get your calories right. And, you know, on one side, they're right, right? Like I've, I've heard you sort of look talking about this as well, like about adding muscle and getting lean. Like, can you talk about, like give us a bit of your perspective on that?
1: Yeah. I'm, I mean, when it comes to the macros and stuff, I mean, that was a system that was brought in around World War One for the rations of soldiers in order to know how to move food around and how to just pretty much adequately satiate the soldiers while they were fighting. But there was no exact biochemical science around it. It was just theorizing and obviously developed around war procedures. So now people still to this day think that the body's like a furnace and you know calories in drop it below, the body doesn't burn as much. And we always say burn, like the body actually burns stuff. And it's totally unnecessary because when you think about the amount of, like, say for you example as well, the amount of lean body tissue you have and the amount of calories you eat, it may not look as much calories as somebody who's having six meals a day, but in the one or two meals, three meals you're having in the day, you're easily getting around 3,000, 4,000 calories just from pretty much meat at the moment. Yeah. And yet you're not putting on fat. You're not putting on excess weight. So people fail to understand that biochemical processes aren't just burning. It's a whole nother system depending on insulin and cortisol. Yeah. As you're very well aware of.
0: My, yeah. Well, I mean, like it's something that I've thought about a lot and researched a lot. But I think it's, it's just, I think it's challenging for people when they, they see these fitness models and they see these people who they'd like to mirror physically. Saying, look, well, just get your calories right, and you look like me. And you know, I guess for the most part, it's true. But are they going to have a lower risk of cancer? Are they going to have the brain function, the libido? Are they going to be exactly. able to even stick to the diet? Like, how hungry are they going to be? How much drive are they going to have to binge? How much energy are they going to have to train? Yeah. How you know when are they going to get tenderized? Sustainable,
1: the it is. Yeah, yeah exactly. like
0: that's like it might be sustainable from the point of view of like, well, it doesn't really require much discipline. It doesn't really require much of a change. So happy days like but if it's going to lead to a whole bunch of outcomes that you don't want then it can't really be put forward as as an optimal diet you know i think people need to understand it for what it is if it's if it's you know and a lot of the times these fitness models are you know playing around with different drugs and you know not just steroids but thyroid hormones and diuretics and all this sort of stuff like you have to be careful about where you're looking and what outcome you really want like do you, if you value a six pack more than you care about cancer, then maybe that's the person that you should, you know, or brain function or those sorts of things, then, you know, cool. But if you're actually more, you you know, you're more worried about being a good father and potentially a good grandfather, and maybe even a good great grandfather, then, you know, that, that, you know, that regime that includes the Pop-Tarts and the ice cream and the whatever There's people getting lean on McDonald's. Is people getting lean on, on ice cream, diets. Yeah, you saw you know, that ice people cream People talking diet, about man. that, hey. It's, yeah, it's, it's the ice cream
1: problem. diet guy is hilarious. He's super shredded. I mean, he looks incredible. <laughs> Just ice cream donuts and what? Like on a daily basis, a tub a night or something.
0: How long has he been doing that?
1: Oh, a little while now. I mean, his face looks pretty aged, but his body looks incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, you're too right. I mean, I wonder there's, there's how hungry he yeah. gets. I wonder
0: how much discipline it takes. Like, I would suspect that he would take it would take a massive amount of discipline to eat at that diet and not go over on calories.
1: Yeah, and a and a shitload of training. He probably like does yeah. cardio as well. Like, yeah, we, like yeah. us, we we barely do any cardio, and we're like below ten percent fat, like no problem.
0: I'm 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 yeah. right on ten at the moment, according to my. You're right uh, on ten. I'm the, I'm the chubbiest I've been in a while. So it's time to... Uh, uh,
1: still looking good though, man. Still looking good. <laughs>
0: uh, uh, so yeah, tell me like what if I, you know, I don't know. Let's let's cover it a little bit like bulking and cutting from the carnivore perspective. I know a lot of people listening to this will already be converted. So we didn't probably need to talk as much about vegan diets and macro diets and that sort of stuff. But yeah. like for the people who are already on this side of the fence and they're like, they're they listening to you, they're listening to Dr. O'Brien, like they're um what 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 should they do if they want to uh if they really do want to get leaner like if that's a huge priority um what's it gonna what's it gonna take if someone's like talking about someone who's overweight you know like this is um uh yeah someone who might come no,
1: if they're overweight and they want to cut mm. is it gonna go work just eating as much as <laughs> <No, I'm
0: joking. laughs> Is it going to, um, to work eating as much as they want or are they going to need to like pay some attention to portions?
1: It depends, especially the difference of women and men. Um, I mean, some guys, they can just jump straight into the carnival way of eating and just keep eating till satiation and they will steadily lose fat. But it depends on the state of their mitochondria slash metabolism on how quickly they really adjust. So yep. if it's really stressed out or backed up, And the mitochondria sitting in their own waste or not as effectively active anymore. This will not, they will not see results immediately. So they have to be really patient with it and it can take them up to three months to renormalize their internal functions again with their mitochondria and their ATP systems. Also, as well, the other factors, not just being on carnivore, but it's also what's the quality of the air, water, and sunlight they're getting and how often will determine the rate at which they heal that as well and start to lose weight. So along with that, fasting as well. Yeah, are your biggest go-tos
0: for healing the mitochondria then? The air, light, water, and fasting, are they going to be your biggest?
1: Yeah, so those are the holistic protocols. and These are the things that we would set into rhythm with their unique life circumstances yeah and you could have the most optimum fat diet you know high high fat low carb diet but still not really get much progress if there's other stresses in your lifestyle that aren't being tuned as well
0: but if they cut the calories enough like anyone's gonna lose fat right as well like that's the that's the argument that these macro guys will make it's like well yeah you're talking about hormones and you're talking about light and whatever if you made someone a prisoner of war and you give them a thousand calories and you make them go and knock down, you know, build railroads all day, they're going to lose fat, right? Like that's, yeah. I mean, that's reasonable. That, that definitely works. Yeah. It's like, going to, I mean, what's going to work from that perspective, they're going to die in the not too distant future and yeah, they're
1: going to, it's going to tax them really eat badly. Their liver
0: and eat their brain and all that sort of stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely going to, it's definitely going to tax them. That's what I'm saying. We have a nation of fit looking sick people. So, yes. I mean, if you get a really obese person and you cut down their calories and things like that, they may start to lose weight quicker, but once they stop that, they actually put on the weight back on a lot quicker than before as well, because of the starvation that's gone on and the ch- manipulation of their system. So that's what I'm saying. Like it's, it's better for them to just take the time and change the internal systems first, then start to lose the weight gradually rather than really quickly while taxing their liver and kidneys, their brain and heart, which needs a lot of those fats, because the heart is predominantly made of DHA as well. As we know, it's a muscle. And you tax that, you get into problems, the magnetic frequency of the body and the quantum physics of the body starts to go down. The brain clock starts to diminish as well, but the body starts to look pretty decent. Well, when you're obese and you start to see the weight, that's all you really care about. But um, I see, especially in uh, women, when they go on these quick diets and they can lose the weight really quickly, they feel really lethargic. Infertili- their fertility, their fertility goes down, and they start to put on the weight really quickly again. And they just feel erratic and hormones all over the place. Their periods, menstruation cycles, come out of sync. So, yeah, I definitely I get a few people that come to me and they. Uh, they're really frustrated that the first month they've only lost maybe a kilo or so of weight, but I tell them to be patient. And another point to add as well is instead of just um, working on a calorie deficit, I give them enough calories that their body feels satiated, but the calories we choose are generally from like fish and leaner cuts of meat. So we just diminish the fat a little bit. and We start to see more progress in the weight loss, but after balancing the internal body,
0: but they're using their own fats rather than, you know, rather than getting a, too much dietary fat, whereas you need fat for energy because you don't have that much to burn. So you're constantly exactly. pumping the fats in to use as a fuel.
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm, using, I'm trying not to use too many stores. So I actually don't fast as long anymore. And even some of the people I work with, um, another point leading back to women as well, sometimes fasting actually slows their hormonal balance down. Yeah. So even when they're quite obese Getting them to eat a lot more than usual But just eating the fats and proteins, You actually see that they're eating more calories Than they were before They're feeling more energetic They're feeling better And that allows them to train more And yet they're not putting any more fat on They just slowly start to lose that fat yeah. But when we want to speed this up When they're ready When the systems are saying Okay, we're all good to go Then we cut the fat a little bit raise the lean protein a little bit and we see an even more increase especially fish you you eat predominantly fish you will find it effortless to stay lean
0: i know uh alexa towers he's a friend of mine and she's a sort of fitness model and um she's a great personal trainer in in sydney and she's uh she just yeah she's like pescatarian she's on fish and she's like the leanest woman i think i've ever seen she's just constantly year-round and she actually um she loves Maltesers I think as a as a thing but she trains super hard and and she like fish is her her go-to sort of protein source right. that yeah the Maltesers maybe not but the other side really tests out with like being lean on fish yeah it's interesting one of my friends one of my good friends uh is actually considering going uh, pescatarian I won't drop his name just in case he doesn't want to um be put out there with that but like what what advice would you have to him other than don't do it because there's good stuff in red meat. I don't know what I'm putting words in your mouth. Like what, what would your advice be to someone who says, "Yeah, I'm going to go pescatarian for a bit"?
1: Well, I'll just mention start out with that every tribe that had more access to seafood was always more robust than inland tribes. So whether that's due to the inland tribes mixing in a lot of starches, tubers, the roots, and berries and things other than like meat, but I find that. Um, you could actually do a completely carnivorous diet just on seafood, and you'd be really well off.
0: Have you have you um, gone that far? How, how far down that hole have you gone?
1: Oh, I've 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 done it for a while. I mean, when I was living in the Caribbean and I came out of veganism, I was more pescatarian than anything else, and I was a spear fisherman. So I was hunting at least two, three times a week in the ocean, eating a lot of lobster, a lot of um, um barracuda, um, snapper. Things like that. Yeah. And um, felt incredible. Felt really good. I mean, fish in terms of um the anabolic steroid-like effect that we get from the red meat, it's not as much. It's considered a medium purine rather than a high purine, which is red meat. So it's a medium purine. You have to eat a lot more of it to feel as satiated as you would when you eat beef. So you need a larger abundance.
0: You feel that with fish, right? Like you can eat a kilo of fish like nothing. Well you eat a kilo of red meat and it's something, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's different satiation there for sure, different substance in the stomach. Yeah. But um with the fish, I would say um shellfish are probably the most nutrient-dense foods on the planet. So if you're gonna go pescatarian, focus a lot more on the seafood. On the sorry, not on the seafood, the shellfish, sorry. <laughs> so with the shellfish, I mean yeah. your oysters, your clams, your mussels, your prawns. Yeah. These little creatures, I mean, their, their EPA-DHA balance is, is incredible. And it's also one of my protocols, as I said earlier, with injury recovery. I get a lot more on the shellfish and seafood yeah. to keep the angiogenic patterns a lot smoother and allows me to uh, keep the inflammation where I want it while giving sure. the building blocks. So I would say, yeah, you could, you could definitely do pescatarian well, as long as there's a large abundance on your plate at each meal. That you're full, not just trying to get by, covering it up with other bits.
0: Yep. The other end of the spectrum, uh, Adam is uh, Adam Kavanagh is actually keen on putting on some weight. He's pretty, he's pretty robust with his kind of voice. He's got a serious, he's got a serious eight pack going there, but he he wants it to be even more defined. Um, he's got, yeah, his abs are like next level, but he he could no, be a little beast. Yeah, he could he could be he, he he wants to uh he wants to be a little bit heavier. So he was weighing like 79 80 when he was here and he'd just been in a brutal uh brutal job that was basically like POW type uh all day labor um yeah. before he came and trained here for a little bit, but he wants to go back up to 83 plus. Uh what sort of what sort of advice would you give to to someone like that?
1: So first thing that I would say is um you can you can you can bulk eating mud, or vegan, or any of these diets. You can bulk on them. I mean, it's all about how stressed your body is and how much training stress you're providing. So that like I, I I program Adam's um, calisthenics training.
0: He was loving and it. And me, yeah. Just as a side note, before but then when he took that job on, I'm sure he told you like he was he was smashed he up by that it. that work there. Yeah, was was he was, he was pretty happy with how he was how he was going and uh yeah. So continue, sorry.
1: I mean, um, so it's all about if he if he had just trained if he had the consistency of training like like how you do, for example, how I do at least once a day for five, six days a week, he would see stimulus no matter what but um my my advice for those who are already doing that but want to bulk a bit quicker, but when I say bulk, I mean not get fat and then cut down and have that little two kilo gain is to consistently put steroids in your body and people go, what do you mean by that? I mean, natural steroids, the red meat, the stuff that gives you the precursors to your hormones and testosterone. Yeah. So if you're looking to bulk, you're not only training damn hard, I mean, I train twice a day, sometimes three, but I'm now, I've gone from one meal a day to two, sometimes three meals a day now of just yeah. a lot of red meat. And I find that no matter how much I eat, I stay the same body fat percentage. It may fluctuate a little bit with the salt that I'm having. So in terms of water weight and how much water I hold, I can go from 80 to 82 kilos, but I'm generally speaking each month. I'm adding at least a kilo of muscle each month when I'm training that hard. So it's it's totally, totally doable. That's a good You don't have to get fat.
0: Yeah. Where do you want to go to with it? Where do you, uh, Said your brothers are massive, but you were
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> but um, yeah. I mean, what do you think your ideal physique is at the, at the moment? Like, what do you see as ideal?
1: I think it was ideal for me at about seventy eight, seventy nine. But my body, I'm not trying to grow; the body just keeps growing. Yeah, which pisses me off because then I'm having to work a lot more strength each month to keep the strength in level with the growth. Yeah. Um, and I mean, one of the key factors, I mean, if you're training calisthenics and you're not doing much isolation of weights, um, just doing the weighted calisthenics, it just bulks you out so much. And then obviously doing a little bit of supplementation with the power, like military press, bench, deadlift, squat. I, I can't stop my body growing. It's, it's getting ridiculous now. <laughs> you
0: know? Probably something most people listening are actually uh, interested in experiencing, but like weighted dips and weighted chins being your weighted calisthenics or like weighted muscle ups or what are you talking about there
1: yeah so any any move any full body movement you're doing calisthenics if you're doing more than 10 reps on it you should get the weight on you should get yeah. at least half your body weight on, and do at least five to six reps of half your body weight you will puff out like you will you will get tremendously strong but your muscles as well, the, the time and the tension with such strain on the nervous system, it, you can't stop your body growing from that. It's so much stress. that The body goes, holy shit, he wants to keep doing this. We need to bulk out a bit more muscle and then bring a little bit more nervous connection to trigger all of that muscle to fire, and he just gets stronger. So no no fat added, just, just strength and muscle.
0: Yeah, so your last message there to Adam is maybe a little bit more meal frequency, which he was doing three meals a day when he was here. He was like clockwork. He kept putting, he kept cooking up. And I was like, man, I don't know if I can eat anymore. Like I have, we'd have this epic breakfast um, and then we'd do some training or whatever. And then we'd, and then he'd be cooking up lunch. And I'd be like, man, like we smashed that breakfast and then we'd be having lunch. And then that's maybe why I'm sitting at 10% because uh, like, yeah, I did, I think, I don't know why I'm sitting at 10%. There's probably a lot of different factors in there as well. Like I had a period there where I was, my training wasn't going well. And um, you can hear about that on my past podcast. And that's some of the challenges I had um, back end of last year, but um, yeah, we were, we were smashing three meals a day, making sure that there's a growth stimulus there. I think is it's a huge thing that a lot of people overlook, right? They'll follow this bulking diet, but then you ask like, how are you training? What are you like? How, like, what do you squat exactly. for five? what do you bench for five or what do you, you know, dip or chin for five? And then be yeah. like, you know, like body, I squat body weight, you know, um, I can, I can do five chin ups, you know, I can do five pull ups with no weight. I'm like, Yeah. Well that's, <laughs> you no, know, we're going to have to address that. Like, you know, let's, let's, when you, when you are good, you will look good. Like that's, I think um, the Edo Portal thing of like form follows function kind of thing. Like, if you if you look the part, then you know. If you if you are the part, then you'll probably look the part. You know, like there's there's both sides yeah. of the, the coin. Don't is.
1: share it if you don't wear it, as my mentor check used to say.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs>
1: nice you one. know, because you, you get a lot you, of these guys saying, "Sorry, what's his,
0: that?" His pod. He's coming out with the podcast now. Hey, have you uh, have you tuned in there yet?
1: No, not yet.
0: I got it on the to do list as well.
1: I mean, I stopped listening after I. Stopped, after I have did his courses, I stopped really following a lot of his movements. Yeah, I didn't feel like it, if it aligned with what I felt was the way I'd want to teach or the route that I thought was good for humans. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know a lot of guys that did the same course as me and a lot of the guys that are still doing further up courses with him. And I just see them completely becoming just little versions of Paul Czech rather than mm. putting their own... Emphasis in their own studies into the direction they want to go so i stopped yeah. following it just because of that reason i want it to be my own my own body of um government t- towards my thoughts you know but, an, interesting uh, an interesting thing guy.
0: I, yeah yeah i think i think the podcast will be interesting because i think you'll get a bit more candid stuff like i kind of feel like his systems i have a reasonable feeling for what his systems are and i don't necessarily think that the the key to solving the big problems of today, in some ways, but uh, but I love I love a lot of his philosophies and stuff. Uh, but yeah, some of the detail yeah. that he goes into around movement and, and and things like I think he's I think I think it kind of misses the point at least for a lot of the people. Like he's probably too far advanced in the way that you know, yeah, was. is. I mean, in he's incredibly
1: ways. well-rounded. I find his well-rounded knowledge. He's he's a, he's a master in a lot, and yeah. his his attitude towards studying and how he's self-made his institute and all of his um, programming and everything is, is fascinating. He's yeah. he's an incredible guy and you look at his shape. I mean, we all want to be like that in our 50s, 60s, like still doing one on chin ups and that. So
0: he's gone. Yeah. He's gone at it hard for a long time with, you know, a lot of, yeah, there's so much stuff there. That's amazing about what he's doing, but I, I will be interested to see what comes out in some of those podcasts. He's doing with like Elliot Hulse and Aubrey Marcus and yeah. some of these guys. So, could be, some, could be some interesting stuff. How do you go with this? You go.
1: Sorry? Oh, it's just funny because um, I see those guys and I'm like, yeah, you guys look good and you're strong, but you could still be leaner and still be a little bit more athletic in a way. Like you were saying about like how you sit at 10% body fat on the carnival way of eating as well at the moment. And I find with this way of eating rather than the metabolic typing, mixing in the carbs and finding how much carbs you need is that, you get to a low body fat and usually it's it's around 10% and less, well 12% and less for most guys which is a very athletic decent look as well and natural human beings and tribes don't normally get below that and um we see that we we the body normalizes at this level and even though your body fat's so low strength continues to rise which is the most one of the most fascinating things about this way of eating and yeah. I see Czech and Elliot Hulse and their strength is only at their highest when they're a little bit more puffy and got a lot more volume to their body in terms of water and fat weight. Mm. They both have that kind of traditional um, powerlifting um, background and ideology of, you know, having more fat on the body in order to, and more weight in the body in order to push more weight rather than being lean and increasing strength.
0: Mm. So, yeah, interesting interesting observation. Um. Yeah, I think uh, I would say I'm not a strict carnivore at the moment. I'm eating at least one square of chocolate a day. Uh, I would say I have coffee uh, sometimes, although my wife stopped, so I've been stopping. But we have had, we've been having, I've been having matcha sometimes, um, a little bit of cacao. So, what are your thoughts on like? That sounds
1: carnivore. Well, yeah, we're like that's People the label on it, but it doesn't mean you're not. I mean, just because I mean, I yeah. still have coffee here and there, and the yeah, yeah, here and there. But I'm not going to label myself carnival I'm just like yeah, yeah. There's no one way to do it. That's I why think, it's so many yeah. us coaches. I think the meat
0: based meat based diet is almost like how vegans have gone with like plant based diet as a way to kind of calm down the branding a little bit, like. I almost feel like that's um something that might happen in the in the carnival world. Like meat is oh, it's definitely
1: happening.
0: Yeah. It's definitely like ninety ninety percent of what I'm eating. Like but I did eat like one little stick of broccoli there that was on my wife's plate when I ate some food before. Like I'm not I'm not orthodox orthodox, like if it brushes my lips I'll, you know, curse my you know god <laughs> yeah, a yeah. confession or something you know like oh,
1: man, talk a little yeah, bit about i don't want to live like that
0: but i think some people get that way right like even on the carnival side it's like you know now this is my religion and i haven't touched anything else like if you listen to the um the jordan peterson and michaela peterson like they're saying like i ate an apple and i was fucked for a month you know like well, i ate an apple I'm, I'm i'm okay like i don't notice anything
1: well, yeah. I mean, you know, um, Charlie and Amy that came to visit you guys. Correct. Have you been, have you been following Charlie's uh, stories and stuff? Around we're Trish we're pretty Rose? good
0: friends there. Yeah. We're, uh, yeah. We're not, I haven't seen, uh, I don't know. What is he, what's he been posting there? I might've missed it.
1: Um, he, he I just love his humor. He's like really He's sarcastic funny, about all yeah. of this stuff. And, um, he, he also messages me as well about some of the stuff and, um, Yeah. He, he also mentioned that, um, is it optimal when, um, is it an optimal way of eating the carnival way when if you have after so long, if you have like a piece of something that's not usually in your diet, you completely become sick and fall apart. And I mean, to me, I don't know. I really don't know what that really means. Mm. I just feel as though when you eat this way strictly, and I mean, let's go into the full cult definition carnival you know you, you frown upon anybody or yourself eating anything that isn't meat. you yeah. know you're strictly water and meat, and i've done that for a while now i'm a bit looser with yeah. it just like yourself unless i'm injured or anything like that yeah but um when that happens i just think it's because when you reach a balance that is not disturbed by anything and you really feel at home with it and you notice like for example with um when i did the three months Completely strict, and I tested the deadlift and had a 25% increase in strength. When I then ate other foods, that 25% increase in strength dropped dramatically. Mm. I went to Amsterdam a week after that deadlift and I completely broke out. I had pancakes, I had Dutch chocolate, I lived it up, I was constantly high the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and I was getting ask- my partner. What's that? Sorry,
0: I was going to ask if there was some some green stuff there in the diet.
1: Oh yeah, the the only green in the diet.
0: <laughs> that's a good uh, that's a good hashtag or something. That is. Yeah. There's some. Anyway, yeah, that's
1: a good one. Uh, but yeah, and um so we puffed out. We looked really fat. We looked like raccoons. <laughs> we were just completely puffed out. Came back to the gym a few days later. And that strength, even though I was still training in Amsterdam, because it's got some of the best calisthenics parts in the world, yep. um, came back. And um, my strength had dramatically dropped. So noticeable. How long was, after the flight was, was it like,
0: that you tried? Did you try you tried to pull dead? Hey.
1: I tried to pull a deadlift of 220 kilos a week after coming back from Amsterdam Yeah, right. and after doing 250 kilos the week before and I could barely pull it I managed just about 200 kilos and I was really fresh, I was really ready, yeah. I'd already been a week back carnivore as well, fully like strict and the strength decrease was, was, was insane so it, is it optimal? I think it's funny that We tend to see that. So when you introduce foods back, you notice a drop in that performance. Mm. So is it not to say that it's optimal, but is it to show that when you do have other foods in the diet and you do get sick, is it because you just feel that drop in what's meant to be normal? You go back to what people are on a daily basis and you notice that that doesn't feel as well when you've gone from such a clean, strict diet?
0: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I think it's going to be cool to see more people play around with it and more you know, more results come through. I know one of the All Blacks players, I've, I've worked with uh, Sonny Bill-Williams, who's one of the All Blacks guys, and um, one of the other guys there, I know they went through a phase where a few of the guys were messing around with like more of a vegan approach, um, but then I know uh, a, a few of the players, I think it's um, – you know, I won't say because I'll probably mess it up, but there's a couple of players who've done interviews there with um, – Dr. Sean O'Brien and that, and uh, they were going like pretty much meat based, but they weren't going orthodox. Um, But it's, yeah, it's sort of, it'll be interesting to see what comes out as more people experiment with this. And I think, you know, him, like Dr. Sean Baker pulling world records and and lifting some serious, serious weight, but just, yeah, like just trimming that extra one or two seconds, like that is one of the biggest credibility things of like, well, he's just doing better than anyone else in the world
1: progressing as he ages
0: yeah it's like so what's your answer progressing
1: as you (laughs) age i mean if you're progressing as you age you're showing signs of vitality and robustness because as you age especially at the halfway point of life the 50s your testosterone and all your markers should be getting weaker and going down but his are only getting younger and going up especially
0: uh Especially on such a cut and dry thing as the rowing, you know, like, and, and to do it at world-class levels, right? Like anyone's going to get stronger if they're super weak and you go, you know, I went from bench pressing 60 kilos to bench pressing 80 kilos on the carnival diet. You go, yeah, like, cool. You could have done that on pop tarts too, if you just trained, but like he's actually breaking world records. Like that's, you know, I think it's saying that has made a lot of people stand up, take notice and, and have a look at it um i think on the health yeah. side it's 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 very very exciting for people to have that as an alternative on the health side where so many people are turning to veganism uh in the face of health challenges um it's very exciting to see another possibility which actually now you know seems to make a lot more sense and um yeah it'll be it'll be very interesting to see how how it plays out and how you know how many people actually sort of experiment down this path with keto becoming very popular. uh, It's sort of a, it's sort of on a continuum. I see it on a continuum like from paleo type dieting or like your average shitty diet, I guess is at the bottom. And then you go paleo and then you go keto and then you go um, carnivore kind of thing is a lot of the the journey that a lot of people go through with, you know, experimenting with these things. Um, Do you see it? Like what's the growth like on your side? Like, you you know, it's it's a huge part of your business and your branding. Like, What what do you where where do you see it going? Like, do you really see it, you know, reaching kind of mainstream acceptance and people really uh, understanding it on that level?
1: Yeah, I mean, around here locally, I'm seeing more and more, and I'm bumping into people that hadn't even um, heard of me, and they're really local to me as well, and they're already doing it. And I'm like, oh, awesome, and we connect, and as as it goes in almost cultish in a way. Yeah. yeah, but um, <laughs> but I yeah I see it really picking up because especially because of Sean Baker as well. I mean, as you said, he's he's coming up to three years completely strict, and has only shown massive improvement. His body looks younger than before, and not only to mention that the amount of uh, muscle mass, and he's starting to lean out now as well. So he's showing his journey to leaning out more because he's stayed pretty lean already for his age. And you see him eating more fish and eggs to lean out now and lowering the, the amount of fat and still performing really strong. So I see people are taking note of that and uh, really want to get on board with it. And we're seeing more and more um, success stories coming out on his uh, Meat Heels page, but also on podcasts around the world. And carnivore, the word carnivore is actually trending more than vegan right now.
0: Really, I checked it yeah. out a while back, and it wasn't it wasn't uh showing up too much. Keto yeah, was now... keto was just taking over from carnivore, but uh, from uh, vegan. But yeah, that's 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 really interesting. So, yeah, I guess keto, a lot of people Carnival know what, is what vegan the is. The, people know what vegan is, so they're not going to Google it as much anymore, as well. Like it's on every menu and all that sort of thing. That like that's too. the that's the sad state. I think that like everybody knows what it is. Everybody has it put forward as an option, you know, and. Yeah. Uh, and it's yeah. pushed
1: by the government. So it's more in the face of the media. You know, there was a media story yesterday that just came out and it was Beyonce and was it Jay-Z saying they want all their fans to go vegan. On, on, on This is on the news. Like it's freaking important or something. Yes. So they're, they're all pushing for it. It's all in everyone's face. But, it's a big
0: agenda, yeah.
1: But we see 2018 was the year of vegan influencers dropping out. We've had the most in 2018. We've had, I think it's nearly a thousand, if not gone past a thousand now, vegan stories on YouTube and on sites all saying how these influencers who have been doing it for five, 10 years now are all stopping due to health concerns. You can yeah. go on YouTube and find hundreds of videos of them talking about what they tried, if they did it right, and how they've gone back to meat.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's so many of them now. I think anyone who's thinking about Becoming vegan or solving a health problem with veganism, like uh, I would highly recommend to to look at those stories. You know, people who've done it for five or ten years, because it's it's yeah. going to take you know for some people it is going to take quite a while and quite a lot of degeneration, and the brain can deteriorate to a point where it's hard to to really be rational about it as well. You can you can see the videos yeah. that are people who, you know who've been raw vegan and such; they've just completely lost the plot to such an extent where they they look like completely like mental illness, physical like disgusting Dude, it's, it's so it's, you know, scary right?
1: man
0: yeah and the, but they're still preaching it because it's like they've, they've completely lost their minds you know
1: yeah or it's their business yeah so yeah so they're point. afraid of what people will think you know yeah but,
0: it's tough yeah it's tough and it's you know if it goes you know i yeah i think it's the things we're seeing,
1: we're seeing um more and more now the science of why it's failing which wasn't yeah. around a few years ago so you know, we're starting to understand why some people are doing okay on it and not getting into problems so early on. And we're starting to understand that a lot of these um, vegans that last 10 years or so, they either came from a meat-eating background or a vegetarian background first. And we're seeing that the time that it takes for a strict vegan to deteriorate, it's all dependent on the stores they built up before going vegan from the animal because a lot of the animal foods you eat get stored in your marrow. When you go vegan and you're recycling cholesterol from your liver and a little bit of vitamin vitamin D or a lot of these guys that are thriving live in hot climates. So they have a lot more vitamin D turnover, which keeps you going for a little bit longer. So we see that when they run this veganism for so long, the stores in their marrow deplete and it's only when the, the marrow starts to get starved that they start to fall into illness. And that's what can take five to 10 years depending on how they entered veganism.
0: What key nutrients are you talking about there? Like you're talking about the like volume of fat in the marrow, like there's some pretty solid Cholesterol. Yeah.
1: So we're talking cholesterol. I mean, if you're not intaking enough cholesterol, you're not getting intracellular um, carryover of nutrients into your marrow and tissues. So all of the minerals that your, your marrow needs to grow bone to grow skeletal tissue is um, it's just wasting away. So the longer you're vegan, the more you tap into those stores. Eventually, when those stores start to run out and your mitochondria completely give out because of the amount of um, sugar they're having to intake, that's when they start to see a lot of the issues. And that can take a while for some, especially if they're supplementing hard, they're training hard, and they're living in sunshine, they can last a little bit longer. And people see these guys and think, oh, but they're doing really well. They're still building muscle. They're still this, 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 and that but you need to give them the time and observe them for a while and you see that they end up all the same.
0: Do you, uh, obviously, like the the liver can synthesize some cholesterol. Is it just not getting enough?
1: It's just not enough, especially worse so in kids. Kids don't produce the same amount and don't have the capacity of the same of an adult. So that's why vegan kids tend to suffer really quickly and the most. Um, In terms of adults, yeah as soon as you lower LDL cholesterol, your immu- a, a major portion of your immune system has just been removed. So yeah. the first few years of vegan, you can feel better when you clear your fat stores of all the crap and other processed foods you've been eating and your cholesterol is still high enough to keep fighting infection. And if you're really strong, you don't get a cold for a few years, but that eventually just starts to gradually go down slowly that's why it's called a starvation
0: diet yeah that's that's basically the way i i talk about it with people like it's a form of fasting it's like a plant-based fast where you're you're providing some food and some energy but it's uh yeah it's it's a fast from the things that your body really needs um yeah i think it's uh it's a serious it's a serious serious concern when it's become such a dominant there's there's a lot of people around this area as well that that experiment with it and um, there's Krishna, you know, Krishna, Long a big Krishna community here who, um, oh, really? yeah, play around with a lot of that stuff. And I, but I, I think the eggs and dairy, like a lot of people can, can hang in there for, for longer and, and some people will do okay. I I have heard what I wanted to say there was I've heard, you know, some people explain that people do well on, you know, vegetable based fast as opposed to water fast or whatever, just because they're living on human tissue, you know, so you, you're that's feeling it. good while you're consuming human tissue and you're becoming skinnier and you're becoming smaller. And you're like, Oh, how good's this? Like I'm, I'm small, which is something that's prized, you know, in a lot of uh, in Western culture, but you, you, you're losing organ mass, you're losing bone mass. And eventually you get to a point where there's not that much tissue left for you to eat. And then it's like, yeah. okay, now like you're trying to build tissue out of, you know, all sorts of grains and such. And you're just missing the missing the point biologically.
1: Yeah, that's a solid point, bro. That is a very solid point. It's just yeah, it's just trying to tick over all those old bits of tissue. Especially like have you heard uh oh what's that what's that um that propaganda documentary? Um oh, it's not really propaganda, it's just kind of ignorant in a way. It's the uh the one where he does ninety days of juicing in the documentary. I forgot the name of it.
0: Is is it the Fat, fat Sick and Nearly Dead, is it?
1: Fat Sick and Nearly Dead, and you know he goes on the juicing. Um, i haven't haven't
0: watched it but i know the i know the story
1: oh well i I watched it and it was hilarious the whole way through he's saying it's because of the juice it's the juice and like he's drinking all these horrible juices making these horrible faces they're all bitter juices and bitter in nature means danger you make a bitter face and that bitter taste because your body goes oh shit this is the chemicals (laughs) we don't want to deal with that's why you know you do it to a baby especially and their face is priceless when they eat these bitter foods. They're like, oh, mom, what have you done? You know, <laughs> but you put a steak in there, straight in, even if they don't have teeth to chew it yet. <laughs> they love that salty taste. Yeah. But, um, sorry, I went a bit off point there with that. But yeah, so he's drinking all these juices, but not realizing that the reason why he's sustaining such a length of time doing these juices is because there's not enough nutrients. It's just a bit of sugar to keep the brain a little bit alert, but the body is going to all his fat. And he had enough fat to last out those ninety days or however long he did it. And it's all animal fat. It's the animal fat and a mild ketosis that's ticking him over, not the juices.
0: Yep. Yeah. 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 I think that's that's uh an important way to look at it. Like just like the way, you know, living if you're getting beef tallow or whatever you're like you're getting human fat like it's not called lard or tallow or whatever it is but it's the same stuff um if you're living on that then you can you know you, you can expect to feel quite good um sarah wilson is the i quit sugar she, she did have i quit sugar she's an australian woman who did a lot to raise awareness about um, sugar um she i went to listen to her speak once and she spoke about anytime she was off she would eat pork belly and she actually said that uh she heard or she felt that 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 meat was closest to human flesh. Um, and that was, I thought that was like quite a, uh, quite a, quite a controversial thing to put forward, but it is, it is a bit of a theme there. When you get into that stuff with the elites and such, there's often the concept thrown up of uh, cannibalism and eating babies and all that sort of <laughs> yeah. stuff. I don't know how deep it goes, but what, when yeah, she I was, I
1: was researching that, that yesterday,
0: when she's saying that stuff, it's like, um, yeah, like basically, it kind of makes sense. Like if you the closest stuff you eat to human tissue, like it probably makes sense that that would be the stuff that would be best to regenerate human tissue, right? Like,
1: It's very nutritious, yeah. We assimilate I, human tissue directly and have been yeah. eating our own for a very long time. Instead, a lot the, of tribes still, still doing it. And yeah, like when yeah, you say yeah. that you, you aren't a cannibal, they look at you like, what? <laughs> You're not a cannibal? What's wrong with you?
0: It's like being a vegan <laughs> over there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you'll get eaten first they're like oh this one's grass fed organic <laughs> that's
0: the next it's the next thing you're going to get trending there Dom would be the cannibal diet
1: <laughs> I think I'm going to start this up yeah sounds good to me <laughs> uh, okay, we,
0: better, uh, we better wrap this thing up before we uh, get ourselves in any more trouble than we might already be in but um <laughs> Yeah, some really good stuff there. Really valuable. I really, uh, I really enjoyed you know having you on today, and I appreciate what you're doing. You know, you're, you're making a big impact on the world. You're doing, you know, you're going from the heart. You're working from experience. You're doing the work, you know, day in day out with yourself, and you're using that to serve other people. And you know, that is the people that I respect and the people I want to speak to uh, on this podcast and, and try to uh, help other people to tune into. Because ultimately, I think. You know, that's that's the biggest thing like you know build yourself up and, and use that to serve as much as you can and you've you've done that to an extreme level man so i i really appreciate what you're doing i appreciate your time and and sharing and uh and all the energy that you brought to the to the podcast and look forward to seeing you soon
1: all right man yeah it's been it's been awesome talking with you. i can't wait to meet you as well and thanks for the kind words there um Just uh, not trying to be a world-renowned guru or any of that crap. I don't want any fame or anything for that. I just want to provide information that creates critical thinking and decisions around our welfare. So thanks for allowing me to share this on your podcast as well. And hopefully uh, we'll be doing a bit of work together in the near future in your homeland.
0: It's a good plan. Good plan. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Dom.
1: Yeah, mate. Peace out, man. Man, that guy can talk. But he does it because he loves
0: it. If you loved it, share it. Give us some feedback. What was great? What did you like? What was your biggest take-home message? Make sure you stay in touch with us on Instagram and share your wins, people. This win is only gonna come if we do it together. We have to take ourselves further. By taking ourselves further, we give permission for everybody around us to make positive changes in their lives and to become the people who they wanna become. Everybody's changing the world. You are changing the world. Let's do this together. Let's see how far we can take it. Imagine, imagine if we all put our full heart into becoming the best versions of ourselves every single day.